In a world haunted by tourists and crippled by mass transit delays, where the outlook is bleak and creativity has been sapped, two artists will unite their passion and dare to strip away the bullshit and talk about movies. Movies in the buff. Is it secret? Is it safe? There's nothing. Wait. There are markings. It's some form of elvish. I can't read it. There are few who can. The language is that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. Mordor? In the common tongue, it says one ring rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, find them. This is the one ring, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron in the fires of Mount Doom, taken by Isildur from the hand of Sauron himself. Bilbo found it. In Gollum's cave. For 60 years, the ring lay quiet in Bilbo's keeping, prolonging his life, delaying old age. But no longer Frodo. Evil is stirring in Mordor. The ring has awoken. It's heard its master's call. You cannot pass! Gandalf! I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Ungun! Go back to the shadow! Let's. Welcome back to Movies in the Buff. We're back, hey! bitches. Woohoo! Yes. Summer movie marathon. We are fitting this in. Technically, I was informed right before <laughs> we started recording. Before summer ends. Right. All three of the movies will be released prior to summer happening. <laughs> summer ending. Ending. <laughs> prior to fall. Fall happening. happening. Technically. Technically. <laughs> so, yes. Next week, we will have the two towers. Uh, and the week after that, we will have 
the Return of the Return King. of the King. Uh, we will end uh, September with our special hundredth episode. Movies in the Buff hundredth episode bash. We're gonna have a lot of guests on. We're gonna do some check in, see how new everyone's at, play some games, and just have fun. Yeah, um, kind of celebrate. Uh, our achievement, your all achievement. So look out for that. That is the month of September. And then we'll be back in October for season four. Yeah. Yeah. Season four coming back in October. Exciting. But before we get to that, we got to go to the deeps of Mordor there and back again. And to help us do that, we have a special guest with us. Special guest who's going to be here all month on this trilogy. Josh Tobin, welcome back to the podcast. Josh is an actor. And friend of the podcast. And friend of the podcast. Yes, he is. so happy to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. We're happy Thank to have you. you like live in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One hundred percent. The last episode we did it was was virtual. Uh, virtual, as one does mm-hmm. uh, these days. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's great to be in the room with you guys. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, normally we do. Uh, you know, for our podcast, we do a month of whiskey. We do a new whiskey every month or whatever. Uh, last year, last summer, we did the Godfather uh, trilogy as a summer movie marathon, and we, we did. did a sort of traditional uh, Italian course so we had like a an aperol appetizer spritz. A, you know, aperol spritz uh and then we we did wine for the second one and then uh, a nice uh crevassier right for the, for the third one mm-hmm. uh to try and do a theme so this is all getting to this this month for our summer movie marathon uh we are sticking to a theme a sort of lord of the rings inspired drinks yes. menu inspired so uh because large amount of the first movie takes place, you know, in celebrations and the prancing pony, and there's a lot of like drinking at, of in taverns. Not to mention a very quotable meme. Uh, yeah, we are we are drinking uh, an ale to start our summer movie marathon, and we're sticking with a very traditional ale, uh, the Chimay Red. Um, of course, a Trappist ale, which means it was. Brewed and uh, shepherded by Trappist monks. That word is actually trademarked, I found out. Really? Um, and it, you know, similar to like the, the protocols with bourbons and things that it has to abide by, Trappist ales have a very str- stringent set of, of rules as well, mainly about who brews it and where they're brewing it. Um, but yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're drinking today. Chimay. It comes in pints. It comes in pints. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting one. I'm getting one. If you were to see this bottle in the liquor store or grocery store or wherever, you know, wherever you may be listening, it, you would confuse it for a wine bottle. You might confuse it yeah, for a wine bottle. Yeah, it's a 750 bottle. milliliter bottle. Yeah, right. and it comes with a cork. Well, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 They're like a Lord of the Rings cheer that they say at any point. Well, there's the the uh, sort of drinking song that Mary and Pippin sing, which actually in this movie, it's the first time we see it at, happen at, at um, the tavern in, in the Shire. Right, as sweet as the sound of the pouring rain. As a mug of beer and save this took. That's to the end. So cheers, cheers. to that. <laughs> cheers. cheers to that. Across the room. Yeah. <laughs> The Green Dragon. The name of the mm. of the inn sort of escaped me for a moment, but it is, of course, the Green Dragon. Of course. So I want to preface this whole experience by for for the listener. I mean, you all clearly we all know this, but uh, Brett and Josh have been avid fans of Lord of the Rings since middle school. 
you know, yeah. right or went on or a before. field trip in my middle from my middle with my middle school English class. Mm-hmm. And you have you all you both have read the books more than once. Correct. Yeah, you know, oh, I was well, I, I was telling yeah. Brett earlier last year is the first time I actually made it all the way through the books. I mean, my my dad read fellowship allowed to me when i was a little boy wow and then we got into into two towers god that must have taken like six months yeah right i mean it was like you know every night before bed or something but then you know i think we just lost momentum somewhere in the two towers where like it's reasonable gimli <laughs> and legolas and aragorn are, are running around fields and it was just like and sam and fucking frodo are like there's chapter after chapter of them just being like these rocks suck, huh? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I did in fact read the books, but but only recently did I actually get all the way through. Gotcha. But I mean, even the fact that you know being read the the first book as a child instantly, you know, uh, puts you further than where I'm at, where I didn't know what the Lord of the Rings was until the first movie came out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, sure. You know, and so I'm I'm very excited to have this conversation because I'm. My my knowledge of of the Lord of the Rings verse only comes from the movies themselves, which I've I've seen many many times, uh, and then like here and there conversations that I've had with people. So, sure. uh, forgive me, audience, if I make uh any sort of you know what's the word faux pas? Yeah, faux pas. <clears throat> uh, you're forgiven. Thank you. This once, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> forgiven, and you'll almost certainly be corrected by me and Brett yelling over each other. Yeah. <laughs> Act, it, no, they didn't go there. They yeah. didn't. They didn't. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> those were the Misty Mountains. Uh, so, yeah. See, and this is why I feel good about doing this podcast. And no, that you. wasn't Mirkwood. That's in The Hobbit. Only Bilbo went there. We don't see Mirkwood in these movies. But I just want to see when Thorin comes in and he just sings. Oh yeah, Lonely Mountain. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good song. Though. It's much <laughs> better than. It's the best part of that fucking trilogy. Oh is that yeah, song. that yeah. song is fucking awesome. But we're not doing the Hobbit. We're yep. doing Lord no. of the Rings. Okay, you can find. We are doing the extended editions. Uh, just FYI for everybody. So there, if you do not own or have not seen the extended editions, there are depending on the movie anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour extra footage. So if you're confused, like I don't remember that. It's because you haven't yeah. seen the extended edition. Before you read this, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Will you give us a thirty-second synopsis of the Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, Shire is a beautiful, uh, bucolic, uh, isolated wonderland, and some hobbits live there. And all of a sudden, a wizard comes there and is like, "Hey, that special magic ring you like—that's a bad, horrible weapon that's going to destroy the world, and you have to take it away from here." And so then one of the hobbits, he's like, okay, fine. And he goes and he meets some friends and they go and they go on their way to destroy this, this thing. And it's lots of adventures, some drinking songs, some fun elves too, but bad orcs underground and a big flame monster. And then they break up. The group has a friendship breakup and we look at a mountain and the credits roll. Boom. Whammy. Was that that 30 seconds? Roughly. It was just like 40 seconds. Did you like high... How, how not specific that was. <laughs> well, I like and how also like 35 of those seconds were describing the Shire. Yeah. I was going to say, I like Which how they specific. Leave in the first 20 minutes. Of yeah. The, the first 20 minutes was very specific. And then it was like, oh shit. <laughs> I got to get through a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So we go speed Probably through. how this podcast is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Probably. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get 45 minutes in and be like, oh, we're still at Bilbo's birthday party. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> or shit, we got to get to Bilbo's birthday party. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So the three Lord of the Rings movies, also the three Hobbit movies can be found on HBO Max right now. I'm not sure how much longer they will be on there, but these that that will uh, those are not the extended editions; those are the three theatrical editions. But either way, here's the synopsis of Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, as given by HBO Max. The future of civilization rests in the fate of the One Ring, which has been lost for centuries. Powerful forces are unrelenting in their search for it, but fate has placed it in the hands of a young hobbit named Frodo Baggins, who inherits the ring and steps into legend. A daunting task lies ahead for Frodo when he becomes the ring bearer to destroy the one ring in the fires of Mount Doom where it was forged. That's what I said. That's yeah, that's more or less. Yeah, it's a, exactly. They didn't mention how bucolic the Shire is. <laughs> There's no drinking songs in that synopsis. I don't or, know that they even mention elves. Also, dark forces threaten the world. That's not specific at all. Nope. No, not at all. Nope. Uh... Uh, I'm available HBO Max to yeah. write your synopses for these movies. <laughs> Dude, that would be an awesome job. Just Man. be a synopsis writer. We need to create a YouTube <laughs> channel to have Josh just do 30 second synopses for movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Two beers. You know, it's like a version of, of that show, uh, Drunk History. Like, <laughs> Yes. Tipsy, Drunk synopses. Tipsy synopses. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. We've stumbled onto gold, Brett. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you got 30 seconds. In this day and age, that's that's less than a TikTok. 30 seconds, everybody will watch it. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of uh, quotes in this movie that, you know, that are just like, man, this is uh, kind of hitting close to home. Yep. This weird enduring themes, yep. for sure. Yep. So my question that I wanted to get back to for you both, clearly there's a difference in the movie's no question um, as to Pro, which is better as, as to which is better. Okay. The Lord of the Rings trilogy or the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, gotcha. Very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone yes. would dispute. Um, I want to meet the person who's like the Hobbit movies are better than the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> a person who's willing to die on that hill. I just uh-huh. want to, I want to see, I want to know that person. My question is from the book perspective, do you like the Lord of the Rings books better or the Hobbit book? better because the hobbit is just one book right it is yeah, yeah. uh it, it's it's hard because they're they're not comparable the lord of the rings is an adult fantasy trilogy and the hobbit is a young adult fantasy novel exactly right um and so it's a different target audience it's a different writing style mm. um and the hobbit is so much more easily digestible uh because it really is an adventure story whereas the lord of the rings like more than half of the book really are people just like walking and sitting and philosophizing about the state of the world. Um, Hobbit was written first no. or s- after Lord of the Rings? Uh, Hobbit was written after the Lord of the Rings. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it is a prequel. Yeah, it's, yes, it was, yes, after the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. What's great about The Hobbit is you can read it as, as a young kid. It's, it's, it's very, like, accessible for... A younger generation so yeah. i almost feel like that's how you get hooked yeah and then you're like oh there's this whole massive world to explore after you've sort of enjoyed the hobbit 
Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right, Brett. That it's hard even to compare them mm-hmm. as books, just just because of how they're they're different in that way. But and if you've seen any movie ever in your life, you can watch this movie and have a fantastic time. <laughs> Speaking of segues, so uh, yeah, let's start it. The world is changing. Is that your get? Is that your really your best, Kate Blanchett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aww. Isn't that the first? Is that might be yeah. the first line in the movie? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she, uh, yeah, we we're presented with with her as this kind of omniscient force that has lived through time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool when she then shows up in the movie, and you're like, wait a second, I recognize this voice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and what's so great, like the way that he chooses to begin this, is that it's a, an all dark screen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no credits, there's no producing houses, there's no Peter Jackson presents, there's no whatever. It's just the music, which is the first thing we hear is the music in the high strings. Which again, mute the mute Howard Shore. Like I would argue that, gosh, sixty percent of why this these movies are so powerful and affecting is because of the score. The score is excellent. And so to have the score start us, period, before we hear any voice, and then we hear voice, not image, I just love the way it begins. I think it's so, you know, it could have just jumped right into the flashback. It could have done so many other, like, things. And I think the way that this starts is so, so cool. Totally. I think what's, re- for me, what's really fascinating about the way that this movie starts uh, goes back to the actual producing aspect of this. So going into the filming of these of this movie, they knew that they were going to film all three. They had they had contracts written for all three. They were going to make all three because they filled them co- contemporaneously. Shipping six hundred people to New Zealand is not a cheap uh, cheap process. And um, to know that you're going to have that much real estate to tell your story despite, you know, needing to cover 1,600 pages of novel, um, is real, I imagine, is very freeing, right? And so the, the movie starts pretty slowly, and it allows you to have world building, um, which in a fantasy epic is so important. You have to understand the rules of the world and how the, what the lore means to the rest of the people. Um, because the moment that we we get the ring reveal if we don't understand its significance it 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 feels like a whole lot of hullabaloo for nothing um and so i i just i really love the the tempo in which this starts because like yeah it's a big action scene but it's still like it's a slow start Mm -hmm. uh we don't you know we don't meet our main character until 15 minutes into the movie maybe Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And so I, that's what I, I really like about this in this particular uh, introduction. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it gets your attention. Sitting in a theater, however old we were, how, when these were released theatrically, where you're in eighth, seventh or eighth grade or something, and all of a sudden there's this massive battle on a mountainside where, like, here come 10,000 orcs streaming down the mountain, and, like, the elves are shooting arrows, and... Agent Smith is yelling and it's just like <laughs> you it gets your attention so completely and then it totally steps back from that right epic scale and it's like 
here's a little dude in his house writing a book. Isn't it cute? He has a round door. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I love the way that they, 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 they then tr- in that transition, the cinematography difference from like the past, quote unquote, and then the present. There's that sort of filter that isn't too much like, hey, this is the old timey times. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, this feels like this is a long time ago. Yeah. And then, you know, that that reveal shot is so great because it's over the map and then it just pulls up and then sort of like looks around the house. You hear Bilbo and then sort of like sneaks around the corner and we find Bilbo. Yep. So even that is a world building shot of like, hey, everybody, this is how hobbits live. Yeah. This is the hobbits. Ground halls. Yeah. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just it's so important in fantasy storytelling to do that kind of thing because that you, you it. It's the responsibility of the director to put you in a different place. You can't equate what's going on. Uh, like you, you can't try to immediately start putting reason to things in a fantasy story, right? Uh, like rational, your human reasoning. And so by, by really exploring that and telling you that there are wizards and magic rings and huge armies of goblins and orcs and there are halflings that live in holes you're immediately it's you i don't know you you can get out of your way a little bit about being like well that doesn't seem like a very rational thing to do mm-hmm. um at least for me and then that allows the the greater themes throughout the movie to then really flourish yeah yeah totally for sure and there can be too much of that too where yeah it you can know. totally get in the way yeah and I don't think that it really does in these movies as much, but I feel like in, you know, in other epic fantasy uh, stories that can get in the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like that he generally strikes the right balance in, in telling this. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I just, I love this whole intro into the, into the hobbits. I love like, seeing you know i think in the same way of building the the history and all this like we have to understand what what the shire means the the happiness the grumpy hobbits who is that that grumpy hobbits like my favorite um oh totally yeah and and the way that we're introduced to a a culture with bilbo talking about how hobbits love food hobbits are content to sort of let the larger happenings of the of the world of the big folk quote unquote uh just kind of happen outside of their sphere of influence and they're just like let's worry about gardening and having good beer you know and this line really stuck out to me watching it watching it through um it is no bad thing to celebrate a simple life mm. and that mm. seems to be so much at the core of what what being you know the the run of the mill hobbit is is like Everyone's just chilling here, man. No one's trying to. And so Bilbo really stands out as this aberration in their society. This guy who's going off on adventures. Right. Ruffling people's feathers. And, yeah. yeah. And here comes Gandalf, the guy who's sort of the catalyst mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look out for that whiz. <laughs> You're late. Yeah. Just one of the best. <laughs> sequences I know. <laughs> meeting gandalf meeting frodo at the same time yeah yep and that shot of frodo like where you know bilbo's like where is that where has he gone off to or whatever and yeah. then he's just like reading in you know profile against the tree gorgeous cinematography 
and uh, and instantly you 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 know like Frodo's mind is elsewhere. He's not celebrating the simple life. He's he, you instantly in one shot know that yeah this the okay yeah there's something different about this character yes you know um and I I I that was something I had never really picked up that shot never spoke to me in the way it did this time through uh of of that information which is really cool and. And yeah, I mean, now's a good time to talk about it too. The, uh, the, you know, again, so we can like get it out of the way and not have to talk about it really for the rest of the trilogy. The way that, uh, the perspective of, sure, the you know, force perspective. the force perspective yeah. of, yeah. you see Frodo in the, th- in the carriage with Gandalf and there, it, it is Elijah Wood, not a double, and it is Ian McKellen. Um, to, what we can speak to having seen all of them, but, but kind of talking specifically about this one, I feel like it, it's one of the best examples of forced perspective. I mean, it works really effectively throughout these movies. Yeah, certainly. And they, they, <clears throat> yeah, it, it does. And they, they use it when they can, uh, and you notice it when they don't. Yeah. Um, and there's some really creative editing that happens too. And some, cause even in that, particular force perspective shot that you're talking about where they're in the, in the carriage there's still some micro editing going on where they're blurring some seams and things well because um, i read that they were they like elijah wood was six feet apart yeah. from ian mckellen and ian mckellen is right up close to the camera for those of you who don't know how that's done right ian mckellen is really close up to the camera and elijah wood is a lot further away than you know the one foot or whatever to make that forced perspective happen kind of thing right Um, so when gandalf is looking over giving giving frodo side eye he's at he's his eye line he's looking at who knows what some boom operator or something he's definitely (laughs) not looking at elijah wood right which is somebody with a tennis ball right like look here here, the here's your (laughs) eye line here's your eye line but it's so it's that's movie magic at its most basic and its most powerful where it's truly about what's in the frame and what we're seeing and what we experience it's as Buster audience. Keaton stuff. Like yeah. it's, it goes all the way back to silent movies. So mm-hmm. like it, it's all about tricking the eye to make you believe something, right? Well, and can you imagine how much worse these movies would be if they were like, ooh, it's 2001. We have computers now. All of the Hobbits are going to be animated. It would look like episode one. It'd be a disaster. Or episode two. Whoa, that would suck. It would be awful. These movies would be horrible. Yeah, unwatchable. So, like, like thank you yeah. for not doing that. Whoever's idea it was, or if Peter Jackson had to say, no, bro, we ain't doing that, or, you know, someone had to tell him, no, I, I doubt that yeah, right. that was the case. I think he was probably very much lobbying for, no, we're doing as many practical effects as possible. Um, but, yeah, I think that's cool. And then uh, other ways in which, you know, he tells this height differential story is... And the majority of the time that we are looking at any Hobbit character, the camera is angled down on them. We're, we're looking down at them. Um, and in scenes where you have Hobbits and larger people, um, the camera is generally like angled up at the larger person and down at the Hobbit. Yep. And a lot of POV shots, like specifically when they go to Galandriel and, and he goes up to the mirror or whatever. What was that name again? Yeah. Galandriel. Galadriel. 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 Not Galadriel. Galadriel. That's Good. the first of 
many. Yeah, times, let's keep a tally. I'll turn into a drinking game. Yeah, I'll drink every time I fucking like. <laughs> My friend, since you brought up drinking game, yes, I I I just have to say, um, you know, this this these movies obviously incredibly influential for for me growing up and for many of my friends as well to this day we will rewatch and rewatch and i'm sure on the internet you can find rules for the lord of the rings drinking game these are the rules that we have compiled over the years that i would like to share please um i also would like to indemnify movies in the buff completely <laughs> from any uh possible consequences of this we do not take any responsibility nor do we endorse the consumption of adult beverages uh, irresponsibly. Uh, having said that, and <laughs> having indemnified all of us, you can play these drinking games with water. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You can. But Everybody I just want to mention hydrate. the rules. Please, please, please. That I want to say we did not follow. No, no we, we didn't. We just finished too. watching. We were, we were. We are of age. We did enjoy an adult <laughs> beverage or two, but but we were not doing this because this is this is an athletic event. You no, know, okay, it is. So, you have to train. <laughs> um, without further ado, the, these are the um, moments and rules for for our version of the LOTR drinking game. Any um, homoerotic moments, ah, okay, must be met with a sip of beer. Any hairy feet shots. Mm. Any shots that feature the hairy feet of the hobbits. Okay. Anytime Gandalf is intense and or yelling, you have to finish your beer. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. That's like. It's at least five. Four or five times just in the fellowship. Yes. Mm -hmm. The first of which would probably be, I'm not trying to rob you. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. He gets kind of intense. Anytime Gollum says. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Anytime Gollum says Gollum, Precious, or Smeagol, you have okay. to drink. What if in he, this movie, you're pretty safe because he's silent. What if he... A Except, question about that rule. Oh, yeah, but in, in the pre... You're right. What if he does what? If he, if he says, like, Gollum, Gollum. That counts. As two or as one? That's, I, I suppose, the discretion of the player. <laughs> um, okay, now this... I don't even know what this means. This is just a, a, a rule that says competition... Anytime there's a competition. Oh, maybe Legolas and Gimli. That's probably what that's referring to. Aragorn, Boromir, there's a little bit of. Anytime Gimli mentions anything dwarf related. (laughs) Anytime Pippin is a fool. Anytime anyone drinks or smokes. Oh, boy. Anytime anyone speaks a foreign language. Anytime the main theme music plays. Epic scenery shots. Close-ups on the ring. Anytime Legolas snipes somebody. Hell, yeah. Um, whenever there's a... You're <laughs> dead by the end of the I first know. movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, the first, like, 20 minutes, like... <laughs> Anytime there's shitty acting or shitty slow motion, um, so never. <laughs> um, flashbacks within flashbacks, which I think is an interesting rule. Mm-hmm. Ugly orc close-ups, narration, epic speeches, romantic interactions, close-ups of tomatoes... <laughs> Anytime they mention Aragorn being the king, mm. anytime Sam says Mr. Frodo, yeah, which I thought was interesting this time. There's a, there's a couple times he does call him Frodo, and a couple times it's like Frodo. when he's really in stressful yeah. moments is when he forgets to sort of Mister him. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime that there are children under twelve, 
being hung out to slaughter. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> that feels like a Helm's Deep trap. Yeah. There. <laughs> anytime Gimli provides comedic relief, anytime you see a ponytail, anytime <laughs> anyone gives up or loses hope, dirty hands. <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, man, the nails, man. All yep. of the nail shots in this. Gollum O-Face. And anytime there is special effects on characters' voices. This essentially means that you are drinking throughout all three films. Yeah. yeah. You're just that's, waterfalling. That's just like pick six. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. For the for the casual player, pick six of the aforementioned rules and and good luck to you. Yeah. But I I, I when I was sharing with my friends that I was coming on this podcast, I experienced not a little pressure to share the rules uh, and the the legacy of of that, but yeah, it's Galadriel. Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but looping back to correct you again, Galadriel. Galadriel. Great. All I was gonna say about that shot uh, <laughs> is there's a POV shot of Frodo. Is that how you say his name? Fr- Frodo. Uh, <laughs> going up to the mirror thing mm-hmm. pool mirror thing mm-hmm. uh but the it, i really like the camera movement of it because it's like it's really from his perspective so you you go the the camera moves like from kind of underneath the the like fountain looking thing right. and then sort of like dips Whoop. up and over yeah and i'm like it's those little details that really keep you rooted in this understanding of the height difference yeah and, the spatial world and the spatial yeah. world and so crucial those those moments are so crucial it, peter it, it's I, I hadn't thought about it on the minor scale like that i you know i recognize the difference in perspective but in terms of like the spatial reasoning it just kind of clicked in because he also does it on a massive scale too one of the the biggest achievements in these movies is the way that peter jackson moves the camera to show you how fucking huge an army is a cavern is the mines are a mountain is how far they have to walk like it's just the the whole idea of scale in this and what it, you know how epic it is um i think peter jackson does a really really nice job of and in terms of the like special effects that are in this movie computer effects specifically that i'm thinking of that's those these are the those are the shots that still hold up really well yeah some of the animated characters and certain smaller scenes where they're using special effects are starting to feel a little dated at least in my perspective of this watch through but those like specifically thinking about like the (laughs) what i call the urukai factory um that like that camera sweep where you're like going around the tower and then down into the 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 um not the mines but the like, caverns yeah, of Isengard the, 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 the chasm that's yeah oh, it's so cool yeah it's so cool well and to your point man like in that shot specifically he goes from the extremes from a tiny little moth into the huge thing and then loops back around to the moth again. Yeah, it's yeah. And fucking awesome. Woo! That I since we're talking about it right there on a technical level as well, that shot as well. This is for people who haven't been following back and forth with us. Gandalf is on the top of uh Saruman's tower, tower of castle. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we're at right now. He's he's still trapped there. But the music shift is fucking incredible too because he go they go from the like high soprano in of the moth thing where it's just that solo 
and then transitions into this sort of like which sounds a lot like the Imperial March from Star Wars. Totally. Yeah. Um, in that dunk, 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 dunk down. And then transitions, the music then transitions back into that like magical, spritey type thing. And all of that combined, just you just like, you're there. You're just, it's all linked up and it's brilliant. And I think in this, this that first battle, the computer effects largely held up too. I mean, the biggest things for me for computer effects are like green screens. I think that's the biggest thing. Those are, yeah, that type of effect definitely wears. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, um, yeah, the, the, that epic battle scene looks great to me. It totally scans. The Balrog still looks good Dude. to me. I feel like it's the same lesson that you get from the T-Rex in, in Jurassic Park. When you have this uh monster that you're featuring and you're using the latest technology still like don't let us see all of it you know the the t-rex it's like it's dark it's raining you're it's sort of always obscured by some kind of natural effect the balrog it's like there's smoke there's fire it's dark in there we don't want to see it all the way yeah and that covers your ass in terms of okay are people going to be able to look at this and not crack up yeah. in 10 or 15 or 20 years 100%. and these these move i think hold up to that well and and also to add on to that the the way that the lighting is used like yes. when we we cut to to uh gandalf's face and the lighting looks like he's staring at a giant fire monster yeah, yeah. like he just it the that's just fucking great lighting. Yes. Yeah. You know, so like combining that as well. And that that's all the way throughout any type, any time, like the lighting work is fucking brilliant. For it's, sure. <laughs> it's remarkable. Unbelievable. It's really remarkable. Um, what I want to go back to is uh, Gandalf's arrival uh, at Bilbo's house. Um, and... I one it's just really cool there's so much I I know okay take a breath (laughs) speak what you're thinking there are I I really noticed in this watch through Peter Jackson's use of close-ups um and how much acting is done in just like from not even full face it's like top of the mouth into the eyes mm-hmm. uh and they uh, they obviously do that on ian mckellen a ton because his eyes are just so active um and some of it's a little maybe overdone maybe mm-hmm. uh but they it, it's remarkable to me and the, it, the lighting just lends itself to that kind of thing too but ian mckellen's eyes are just so awesome there's so much great thought work that happens in this movie with, with actors that are in close up. Um, Viggo Mortensen has a moment later that I want to talk about uh, as well, but Ian McKellen, especially here. Um, and so like the, the moment that I'm thinking of specifically is Bilbo disappears at his birthday party, runs back to his house. Gandalf comes back and is, you know, does his Bilbo Baggins thing. Um, Bilbo Baggins, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to rob you. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Um, it, but the after Bilbo leaves, we go through the whole ring bit. There's also a great close-up there, too, of, of Ian Holm realizing 
the ring is in his pocket still. Mm-hmm. No, it's in my pocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is just he he does some really when I for okay man I'm just so many thoughts. Uh, when I first watched these movies, he I wasn't a huge fan of his. After watching them over and over and over again, he does some really awesome work. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah. I agree. Ian Holm, um, Ian Holm yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. totally. And Absolutely. It's, it's really nuanced and subtle in the ways that, let's say, like Orlando Bloom isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like that that particular scene after he disappears and comes back, and that give and take of this ring taking the power over him and him realizing that it's not in, that it's not on the mantle it's in his pocket and then he tries to leave again with it well, still and, in his pocket and even before then the the journey and transition of him then feeling that he's the most powerful being on earth for then gandalf to say no i'm the bigger fish yeah and then he goes gandalf or is that what he says he says right when gandalf utters when he when he yeah, that, that's that's the Bilbo back. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where Bilbo um, and Bilbo, does, yeah, and, he and says he just goes, yeah, yeah, right. That that whatever he says or th- whatever they say, and and Bilbo becomes like a five year old. I mean, he becomes like a, a little scared child. Yeah, and so that that whole journey, and then even continue. Like, oh, well, gotta go. You're right. Gotta do it. And then <sighs> Bilbo, ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there's another forced perspective shot there too when he drops the ring. Really? Yeah, the ring is the prop that they used is like the size of an in, uh, inflatable tube you would use in a pool. Did when, not know that. When, and so that like that's what they're filming on the ground. Mm-hmm. When when they when he um when you see the ring drop and hit the ground. Oh, it's like the size of a pool float. Whoa! Wow. Oh, that's so rad. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Because um, that that moment sticks out because the ring doesn't bounce. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, totally. You're, and like, you're like, what is this weird and thing? Such, there's such great like individual sound mix that oh, happens man. there. Like mm-hmm. the sound effects in this movie are really excellent. Really good. Uh, I'll bring up another moment uh, if I ever stop talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get it, man. Uh, I get really this like this is it's a foundational text for me. Um, this this was a cultural uh Commod- not a cult, not a, well. It is a cultural cultural commodity, but like it really forged the path into me identifying what I like about storytelling. Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, the, it's a movie about storytelling, right? And the power of story. You know, throughout, I think that thematically runs through all three, um, and Fellowship specifically. You know, he's it starts with Bilbo. He's writing a story. He's like he's putting himself in the context of the story, and then it's now Frodo's job to play his part in the story, in this greater story that they're all yeah a part of. Oh, you know, so great. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you too that the way that close-ups operate in this film is so important because a lot of information is conveyed for the casual person who doesn't oh know gosh. the ins and outs of this story like exposition is happening in deep close up and we're watching Ian McKellen and like he sells it so hard. But like uh, I even there on YouTube right now, you know, in quarantine times, uh, the actor Josh Gad is hosting these cast reunions and he did yes. one for Lord of the Rings. And with I previewed that, that on one of our storyboards. It's so it's it's really worth a watch. And in it, I, I remember Fran Walsh being like in the writing process, you know, they're writing it throughout their filming all three at the same time. 
they have to write this really kind of piece of barbed wire exposition where it's like, oh my gosh, this feels so clunky on the page. And they're just like, ah, give it to Ian. He'll bring it off the page. You know, it's yeah. like when, when he's in there and talking to Frodo about the ring, they're looking at it. It's on the coffee table or whatever. And he's like, the spirit of Sauron endured. He's trying to find the ring. The ring wants to be found. It needs to be destroyed. That's the only way to get rid of Sauron. It's like all it's setting up so much right. of the base reality. These are of the, the major story. plot points that we have to hit yeah. for this to be successful. Yep. And you don't. It's like he's feed, he's spoon feeding you like I'm a baby, and I'm just watching him act, and mm-hmm. it's so compelling. And now coming out of that scene, I know where we're headed in the story. One hundred. Well, he does such a good job. I have this written down too. That you know, we talk a lot about on this on this podcast, like training and what training does for you and you know we've all had to be in scenarios where we've had you know thin is a maybe nice word to say text that we've had to audition with or read sure and the actor's job is to fill to fill it and the first thing you fill it with are the stakes right like and and these are shakespearean can't get bigger stakes than this and ian mckellen fills it like you know yeah. you need to listen to me yeah. you yeah. need to understand this because the the, the fate just, of the fucking right, world it's not just your life at stake it's fucking it's everything not frodo's life at stake and it this is, is <laughs> thousands of fucking years yeah. and it's here in front of you and that makes us go oh fuck and i don't care what he's saying i'm just like oh my god i need to know i need to mm-hmm. the, the and instantly as soon as he realizes or has the thought of what this could be, everything just goes whoosh. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Right. There's so many There's so many shots of Ian McKellen's face. Like, he's like, oh, it's fine. Uh, you know, Frodo's like, oh, I don't see anything on the, on the ring that you just threw in the fire. And then he's that, like, wait. That. And then you see his face change. Mm-hmm. And you just get... You, Some sort you of elvish. It. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The, those micro... Those micro journeys are so yeah. incredible. Yeah. And it leads me to a question about, about I, have, I call him Gandhi in my notes because I wanted to write quickly. Um, when, when he first arrives, Bilbo you know, has something in his pocket he's fiddling with. And we see that a little micro, like we, we see a shot, a check-in shot of Gandalf noticing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this time through, I was really curious in tracking like, when does when does he really start to get suspicious? Because he sees it and he's like, what is that? But to me, I also read like, are you looking for, like, is his journey to look for this one ring or like? Well, he knows that Bilbo has it. But does he know what that ring is? No, no but he, that, that, this is, it's such a good question. And I really think you can track this in, a largely nonverbal performance from McKellen where mm-hmm. he's like, he's clocking the ring and he's like, you know, at, he knows that a darkness has crept back into the world, whatever. He knows that Sauron is starting to return. So, okay, the ring has to be out there somewhere. Well, I know Bilbo has that sweet ass magic ring that, that makes he him just found in a mountain. Like, yeah. I wonder what's up with that ring. Sh- Surely that couldn't be because he also says like he to civilization. Yeah, because he says like, wow, you haven't aged a day. Right, right. He's like, so he's there on sort. He's has an agenda. He's like trying to figure out what's going on. Right. So he's not there only for 
Bilbo's birthday, no. he's also he's on a mission. No doubt. Yeah. I think yes. interesting. In the narrative of the book, uh, both in The Hobbit and in Lord of the Rings, there are numerous times where Gandalf's like, all right, you guys go that way. I got to go read a bunch of shit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and like read and talk to people. And he's like this invest, like um, he, he is the pa- patron saint of Middle Earth. Right? Like mm-hmm. he's he is attempting to do good and is the, you know, possessor of knowledge. Yeah. So this this cutscene that we get here where he rides all the way to Gondor, which that, you know, in, in terms of scale is like riding from Kansas City to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's how I always picture it. <laughs> <laughs> On a horse. On a horse. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Middle Earth is probably the size of Kansas or whatever. But like. No way. Middle Earth is. I figured Middle Earth's like the size of Europe. That's what it feels. That right. But the the at least the way that the movie portrays it, uh-huh. time moves a lot more f- quickly. Yeah. In the books, when Gandalf takes this trip. Uh, to to do this research, he's gone for months. Oh wow! Um, and the 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 trip to from when the hobbits leave Hobbiton to go to Bree takes them a month to go. They also meet a character, Tom Bombadil, that a lot of book readers are both simultaneously happy got omitted from the books or omitted from the movie, but also like he's not in the movie. <laughs> uh, My buddy uh, Dave. Uh, Dave Quay, who who is a a wonderful actor and and filmmaker, he went you know to the premiere of of Fellowship, and he described not not the actual premiere, but like like a, like a opening night or whatever where people dress up and it's midnight and it's like yeah. you know people are psyched up to see this movie. People are dressed in elves; they have pointy ears. And I remember they he he tells the story. He's like, you know, they leave the Shire, they get to the point, they sort of arrive at Bree. And just in the clear in the theater, you could hear the, a pin drop, and some fan just goes, "Where the fuck is Tom Bombadil?" <laughs> <laughs> and for the uninitiated, uh, Tom Bombadil is this like tertiary character that the hobbits meet essentially to burn some time. Uh, they trip on mushrooms, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and Tom Bombadil sings a lot of songs. Uh, He's like an otherworldly like gardener slash immortal being yeah he's like a caretaker of a forest like yeah it's but very beloved character for for the deep cut lotr fans totally um and so that that whole it always throws me in fellowship how quickly time moves because in the books at least it, it moves at a much slower pace and you get this like I don't know the 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 tension builds a little more naturally in terms of the wraiths pursuing um Frodo and and things like that but anyway Gandalf goes to uh to Minas Tirith to Gondor um He's and got his like librarian guy. Who's yeah, like, you he, can it, look it's at essentially all this like old going shit. to the it's like care. going to the Citadel in, in Game of Thrones. Like mm-hmm. all of the world's knowledge is held in these these catacombs. Yeah. Um, and he's pouring like I, I can't remember what it is again. Long time since I've read it, but he's pouring over thousands of pages of 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 material material over the course of months. It seems like right. Um, he's got to go do his research, and then finds out he stumbles upon this account of Isildur and the finding of the ring and the subsequent loss and death of Isildur, and then starts to put the pieces together. And that's why we see Gandalf hiding in the shadows when Frodo comes in is it secret is it safe because he knows at that point if i throw this into the fire 
and that fucking thing lights up like a goddamn lantern, we fucked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but also simultaneously, we are in control because we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's all the way back to where this started. This is the scene when Frodo comes in that I'm particularly, I particularly love when Gandalf is sitting in front of the fire. Um, sorry, this is before he goes to Gondor, mm-hmm. but Gandalf is sitting in front of the fire. Bilbo's left rings on the floor. Roto come Roto, Frodo comes in. <laughs> Actually, it's Frodo. Brett got him. Drink. Got him. Um, Frodo comes in, picks up the ring, and Gandalf is just sitting in front of the fire. There's a great flicker effect on his face, going, and he's just. This is the first time I've ever heard how long it goes, but he utters my precious over and over mm-hmm. and over and over riddles in the dark riddles in the dark riddles in the right riddles in the dark and then like so so subtly you hear it well firstly i mean you hear him say my precious quite loudly and then even as frodo starts talking it's just precious, my precious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then just my precious and you and see his eyes yeah. just working and he's just and fucking mm-hmm. work uh, he's like where have i heard like it's so oh. good yeah yeah, why does that keep appearing like over and over? That thing, precious. This, it's it's yeah. fucking brilliant. And again, I want to call out the lighting here because it does this really great storybook effect. And I really do think it's it's being specifically called on from Caravaggio because he was like, it looks like a painting. Yeah. It looks like a Renaissance painting. 100%. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is a little bit snobby of me. I apologize uh, ahead of time, but I think it's I fucking love it. Uh, Caravaggio. There's was, room for you to be snobby on this podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> I take up 90% of it and then uh, 95. Uh, every once in a while, I get to have my snobby, snobby moment. Um, no, Caravaggio was like the first painter in the Renaissance uh, to really experiment with firelight and the shading of light in, in, uh, in paintings. And so it, it's it, that, that's sort of like the key into where you know, like, oh, that must be a Caravaggio because there's always like, the, the one candlestick is in different places in the room and you can see the curvature of the light and the shadow mm-hmm. all through all the faces. Mm-hmm. And largely because of that, they're all in like small taverns or small rooms or by a fireplace or this kind of thing. And so that whole sequence of Gandalf and they're sitting by the fire and then the light on Frodo and then the light on him. And then like, and then again, when he comes back um, after going to... What's the Minas Tirith? Minas Tirith, yeah. Um, the White City, and and I just it it adds it when it's done well. Number one, and because it's done well, it adds this like literally like like you were mentioning like storybook, like this is a story we are a part of a story, and here's some exposition on this story, and I I, I just I love it, hundred percent. Yep, cool. Um. I noticed this time through, so we I'll say the, I'll say this. We watched uh we watched it on Blu-ray, um, which was cool because I think the last time I watched this was on Blu-ray, but it wasn't on a like 4K TV and a nice a nicer TV. Yeah. Um, and so the color really stood out to me this time through because yeah. last time I watched it just didn't have as good of a TV. And there are just it's uh, clearly it's colorful, but like I was mentioning the the firelight. And then, you know, we're going to get a lot of red later on, but then the green of the Shire, all this stuff. And uh, the sort of like ethereal, 
neon green when the wraiths come through the door when they send them out the doors open and it's just this new color that's otherworldly that's not like anything we've seen and it is so like effective you fucking love it Uh, the, the the music change in that particular scene is great too all overlaid by with freaking Gollum going Shia. Yep. Baggins. Yeah. Yep. And then that fucking sound effect that they use, the sound mixing in this movie is fucking brilliant. Um, but the sound of the wraiths. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, do we know what that is I or what no that idea they I read on IMDb that it is one of the um <gasps> Right. Yeah. It's Fran Walsh screaming. Yeah. yeah it's I Fran think Walsh it is. Screaming. I think uh-huh. it's one of the, the screenwriters just screaming and they pitched, you know, and they did a bunch of stuff on it. But right, it's her scream. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. That's fucking nuts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, man. I wonder if she's doing ingressive. Has to be. Right. Like it what you just did. Like yeah. It. yeah. Or she's doing both and they're just layering it because yeah. it's, I mean, it, it's so scary and it's so cool. Like, their that their whole design is just great. Yeah, man. I mean, they're they're just terrifying. Yeah, you know what I thought coming through this is just like their death. Yeah, like they're just dressed as our sort of cultural shorthand for death. Mm-hmm. This grim black, reaper, uh, hooded. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Here they come. Look out! Like the Dementors and Harry Potter's the same. They're the same fucking thing, right? Like J.K. Yeah. Rowling. There's we can't go into Harry Potter, but J.K. Rowling pulls. So much from uh, of her fantasy writing from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, that it is again not to go into Harry Potter, but that is what I I have read the those books several several times, seen those movies. So I like I'm more informed on on that verse universe. Um, and and so there were times in this because I'm I earlier in quarantine went to reread all of the Harry Potter series. I was like, ah, oh, why not quarantine? Uh. And so, like, the laws of magic in The Lord of the Rings, I had some questions on throughout this. So, I'm like, because there's so many things that I'm like, if you're a wizard and you can defeat a giant, huge, dark fire thing, then how come you can't just, like... Put an invincibility shield up. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, can't you just, like, bless this, like, magic cloak and then Frodo can levitate over everything? Or, <laughs> like, what 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 are the rules of magic in this world and the rules of... It is the fatal flaw in all fantasy series, mm. is explaining how magic works. Mm, yeah. Because I'm going to sure. have a lot of questions about when we get to Galadriel for you guys. Like, I want... We'll, we'll get there, but okay. I just don't know. Bring them on. Um, Gandalf makes this huge deal right over this ring. Everything from the do not take me for a conjurer of cheap tricks. Frodo comes in, keep it secret, keep it safe. Gandalf comes back. Is it secret? Or, you know, is it secret? Is it safe? Frodo pulls it out. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's right here. And then Gandalf goes, great, we have it. Keep it. Keep it safe. Do not offer me, you know, do not offer me this ring. You know, it's power through me. More terrible than the world has ever seen. Um, and Frodo goes, great, I'll keep it. Let me put it in my tiny little breast pocket. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, dude, 
Do you have a more secure pocket? <laughs> Does that button or that's, that's perhaps a zipper? <laughs> yeah. That pocket is super shallow. Yeah. It just feels so shallow. Maybe a pouch. <laughs> <laughs> Something with a drawstring on it. <laughs> Put the drawstring pouch in that pocket. I don't mind that pocket necessarily, but it's so shallow. Yeah. <laughs> it's more about the fact that the most powerful weapon the world has ever seen yeah. is sitting in a three centimeter <laughs> pocket. <laughs> And you seem to fall down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> is that satin? That is. That looks like a slippery fabric. Right. Not a lot of friction going on. I know the wings. The ring's heavy. Right. Where did we get the necklace? Somewhat like the necklace is um, better at Rivendell, probably. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's got to be some I kind think of. It's at Rivendell. It's, yes. It is. It, it is after he after he says, "I will take the ring to Mordor." Yes. Right. When it's like, okay, you're the ring bearer. Before that, it's just like. I knew I put it in one of my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and even later, I had that point. same question, dude. Like at the very end when he's getting on the boat to like to peace out, he's like looking at the thing. He has the necklace. He's looking and then he like puts the necklace and the ring into his little like into vest. his little pocket again. <laughs> I'm like, you got a necklace, bro. You just go like over a, water. Just attach that shit. <laughs> Why are you choosing your tiniest pocket? It's like the, the <laughs> it bugs me every time I watch this. Like I just I obviously have gotten great past point. it, but like it's a great point. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt. But yeah, anyway, back to Sam and Frodo in the woods. No, yeah, of course. It's just a it's one of the great lines. You know, one more step. Oh, totally. You know. Well, I think uh, you know, just that's one of the. Th- main themes of this entire saga is leaving home having to leave home to go do the thing that you must do Mm -hmm. you know it's just this archetypal quest um you know about ordinary people doing extraordinary things yeah and and i know you know the three of us sitting in this room we're sitting in new jersey where all three of us are from different states and then went to college in different states than that. And then, well, I guess you went to grad school in the same state you went to undergrad in, but even that is still a different mm-hmm. talent. Like locale. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, this idea of like, I mean, it, it, it's one of these reasons why that line sticks out and why these, this, the, the story is still good and still told is that thing of like, man, I remember when I had to like, leave home to go to college in Indiana. I didn't have a car. I had no way of getting back home. Like, all right, well, yeah. And it's just so simply put. And Sam is just such a, you just can't not love him. Yeah, absolutely. Just love that. Absolutely. Then we get these giant, amazing sweeping shots. And I'm just like, I can we just go to New Zealand? Does this movie in the buff have a budget that we can? Uh, When Gandalf goes to Isengard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And just like, do do can we go to New Zealand? I know. Let's go. Let's God. What yeah, a great they, uh, they are not letting that. us in right now. That's true. Right. Rightfully so. There. Yes. True. Um but at some point in time, yes. We need to go. Love to Man, go to New Zealand. Gorgeous. Would love to love it. Okay, I have a uh, I have a uh confession. And I apologize to you both and to all of the Lord of the Rings verse universe fandom. Okay. Until the Hobbit movies came out. I did not realize and understand that there were multiple races of elves or sure. whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the right way to say that. But like I get out. Yeah, right? <laughs> so like yeah, I know. I Leave. know. I don't, I don't that's so yeah. 
I don't think you should be sorry about no, that. No, that's that's it, they don't explain it well in the movies. And like this, when we see the wood elves and Sam and Frodo see the wood elves here, that's part of the extended edition. I don't think that's in the theatrical edition. I agree, it is not. And so, like when we the first elves that we see are wood elves, and so I'm like, I I, I and I'm still confused as to how many different races of elves and what are the differences and do they like each other and what's the deal i don't even know i don't know i'm i'm not sure either i know that there are the wood elves that they meet here is uh for lack of a better word we'll call them a, a tribe or, or a collective um we don't meet again this particular uh, fact faction. Uh, <laughs> faction yeah um because they say they're going somewhere. Yeah, they are, they are all going west to the Grey Havens to take the boat to another a, another continent. So that's another question I have. This boat that they're all taking and that they're at, that Arwen's talking about going on and that uh, Elrond is talking about his whole tribe faction is going to as well. Is that the same place that jumping all the way to the end of yes. the whole trilogy that yes. everyone's going? Yes. So... Middle Earth is like Europe. Sure. And they're sailing across the sea to another land in the... But the way that they all treat it, it's like Sauron is going to destroy the Earth and all of existence. So, like, are they traveling to, like, a different plane of existence? A different planet? Are they... Yeah, perhaps. I don't know, I've always been confused about that because I'm like... Sauron's like this giant, powerful being that's that's ever lived, and he's just going to destroy this one piece of land, but all the other land on the world is going to be fine? Well, let me tell you, we don't know. In the context of this film, we don't know. Yeah, for you sure. You know, it's like, it's not explained. Basically, it's like, the elves' power is waning. They are going to go back across the sea from whence they came. Yeah. That's all the explanation we get. If you do want to go deep, you can read stuff like the Silmarillion. You can read the th- things that J.R.R. Tolkien's son, son has Chris, helped publish. Yeah. Like, there, he, he created this whole mythic universe where all this stuff is more um, more well articulated. Him creating this elvish language was the, was the genesis of, the, of these stories. Yeah. I don't, so, so to answer your question, I mean, my understanding is like, okay, the elves came to Middle Earth from the West. They're like a seafaring group of people who sort of settle in Middle Earth and have their time. You know, they fight Sauron, defeat him, but Isildur keeps the ring, and then slowly their time is now right. at an end. Because they we're currently the we're currently in the age of men in Middle Earth, and the yeah. age of men is coming to a close. Um, and so they're they're deciding to leave. because uh, they are they are immortal. Um, so they live forever. Yeah. They can be killed, but like, they're not going to die of old age. Right. Unless they choose to give up their immortality. Right. By playing around with mortals. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> exactly. fucking a human. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Right, so it, it's, it's kind of intentionally vague. It's something I've always wondered. I was not cure. Not, I had no idea. For the most part, at least from my recollection, the story treats elvish people more or less the same. We, you know, we 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 are very familiar with the elves of Rivendell, uh, which is Elrond and and his collective. Um, in the Hobbit, we meet the elves of Mirkwood, I guess, 
Um, yeah, which is more like that's Legolas's peeps. Yeah, that's where he's from, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we have Wood Elves as well. Uh, and then El- Galadriel is... Uh, is also a Wood Elf, okay. but she lives in Lothlorien. And she actually has some different... She's like an Elvish sorceress. Uh, she got some... That, that ring that Sauron gave her. Yep. <laughs> uh, doing some, some interesting things, so... Gotcha. Yeah, there's there it's 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 tough to glean from the movies for sure. Great. So can I just also say that uh I liked Ray Dooley's appearance as Saruman um in oh, in these this movie. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lee. Christopher man, Lee, man. dude. Oh my so gosh. Christopher good. Lee who has Gandalf the Grey comes to Isaac. <laughs> he um he has like a like a hardcore metal band. Christopher Lee does. Like you can look up some stuff and Christopher Lee is he lead recently singing. passed, yeah? He did. Yes, yeah. may he rest in peace. Um and may he rock in peace. Yeah. You could please check out his band. I he don't know what they're like called. He also has like 290 movie credits on IMDb. Yeah. yeah, legend. And I read that he was the only one of the cast who have ever met J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, wow. And he was the one, uh, like, ever since he was a kid, read the whole trilogy every year. Yeah, I feel like there's a, a pub story with Christopher Lee and J.R. Tolkien, where he, like, he's reading the book in the pub or something. Mm. And it, because that, yeah, yes, this is all ringing a bell. Cool. Uh, I'll have to look that up. So he was very is. much a, like, go-to person on set for for, you know advice and he would go to like the makeup people and be like well okay so this is how they're described in the book and he would just like off the top of his head say you know this evil person or this group of of you know goblins or whatever are this described this and so they're like oh great and then they would sketch it out and then so a lot of the designs came from his help too it's cool he's just those two watch like the wizard duel and watching you know Ian McKellen and Christopher (laughs) Lee like just Fuck go each at other it. Other up. Like, yeah, I'm like, let's <laughs> go. I'm in, man. And it's cool the way that, you know, that that Peter Jackson does this, you know, when we first get to what is uh Saruman's castle? Isengard. 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 Um there's more camera movement than we've seen yet. Um every shot is something where it's like swoop down to this face yep. swoop up to here come around the corner and go to here we're gonna go from above to down into here we're gonna like do a whole 360 and it's i think it's a really i don't think it's too on the nose i think it's a really cool way of setting up this like these this, guys are fucking wizards yeah, yeah. and this is <laughs> right, even before right. the duel right like yeah. this is just when they're just hanging out like talking about uh sauron and all this stuff like yep it's just i love i love that type of the more we've done this podcast the more i've started to notice that element of storytelling of just like how much a camera movement or lack of movement can help tell that story and i think it was really cool Mm -hmm. something i I noticed this way for sure Um, but yeah wizard duel um and the sound mixing in that too where it's just like the the wood hitting the the uh like the wood of the staffs hitting the the whatever the floor the tile floor whatever it is the stone and the whooshing and the getting thrown up against this door and this wall and these books and the like you can tell what material 
they're getting thrown against yeah. by the sound that is just it's just really well done there, I think. It's an interesting uh, way in talking about the rules of magic in a given universe and every time having to sort of define what they are. It's like in this film, that's an interesting moment where you're like, oh, wow, these wizards are, are basically just like boxing each other, but just with more powerful stuff and from afar you know there's no like flashing spells or fireballs flying around or like frost bolts you <laughs> know, or, or arcane they're literally just smacking the shit out of right each it's other. just li- they just telekinetic yeah like, yeah. <laughs> yeah which is kind of cool it feels um a little more grounded in a world where orcs and elves are real you know what i mean it feels it feels a little more rooted mm-hmm. yeah. um mm-hmm. You know, and again, it's a thing that holds up when you're watching it. It's just like, oh, these dudes are just like flying around. Yeah. Do you know how they did the effect of when Gandalf is like on his head, like breakdance spinning? Well, Ian McKellen had to learn how to breakdance. Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it's one that's like kind of holds like it looks pretty good but there's something off about it but again they're wizards fucking doodling so like yeah. whatever mm-hmm. but yeah i was curious about that yeah one moment that i always look forward to the duels a little bit after this um because we go back and forth to isengard a couple times but one moment i always look forward to when i watch this movie is after we meet mary and pippin and they fall down the hill the get off the road and introduction of the wraith so good yes. i and that from that moment until they jump on Buckleberry Ferry, um, I just I always think it's just a really interesting way to like and really uh, effective way of like amping up the tension and adrenaline without necessarily having a fucking battle. Yeah, um, totally. And so like that that moment with the wraith sniffing and all of the the vermin coming out of the ground and um, is just so. So cool. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I definitely wanted to talk about. This whole that whole sequence is is shot so interestingly and and like because the first time the first the first interesting shot we get is like we see Frodo looking down at Frodo through the roots, like he's already hiding, yeah. right? And he's looking up through the roots, yeah. And we see like that, so like just there, and you're like, oh wow confined like right there I, I have that there and then yeah the shot of the hand just coming over so we still don't see the full wraith yet you know like that's even still saved and then yeah this whole um this whole sequence it's like it's still exciting we've seen this however many times and i'm still like fucking run go go fucking let's go you know like i I still get excited by it it is such an escalation too they they have not been in that kind of danger we haven't been seen our main characters be near one of these creatures who we've seen like murder random lantern bro yeah you know we know they're dangerous and now here it is on the on the road do we buy that like this wraith is completely fooled by uh, just a sack of taters <laughs> being thrown like 20 yards away? You know, I'm always like, wouldn't he see someone throw those taters? I've always, I don't know. I've always thought that the wraiths 
I, 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 maybe I'm, this is unfounded, but I've never thought that they've been able to see. Oh, yeah. that's that interesting that to me. It's right. just an that's energetic thing. They're drawn to the, the power. Now the I only buy time it. they now can see it. is when Frodo has the ring on. Right, because the ra- they're in that right. shadow realm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, from what I remember from the books is they love potatoes. Yeah, taters, <laughs> man. They do. The they rates do. do? The rates love those potatoes. They love potatoes. <laughs> uh, they don't. Oh. I Fry them, really smash them, <laughs> stick them in the stew. I was like, man, that would be <laughs> the do. funniest thing. We if really need true. to keep track of potatoes throughout this. Throughout <laughs> these, added these to the drinking list. Potatoes, yeah, potatoes. <laughs> anytime potatoes are instrumentally featured yep. in the story, added to the added to the rules. And when oh. anytime Sam yells the word, finish your beer. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah I I I do have a question about that too because you're just like, well, I don't know the. The Frodo has the ring out underneath the like root thing wherever he's hiding, and then like as soon as he puts it away, the wraith just goes, you know, like snapped out of it or whatever. But I'm like, but if you can sense that the ring, like the ring is like a foot away from you, like what they can sense where it is from like miles away, and then like, but what they can really sense is when it's on. You know, like we get that when he when he accidentally puts it on in the, in the inn, uh-huh. we get those amazing shots of them swinging around. You know, it's like it's like a whoosh. Yeah, they it's, feel that it's, so much it's less about the literal object and more about its energetic power. Yeah. Mm. And when the ring is affecting its holder, it causes that holder to behave unnaturally or to to behave in a way that they don't recognize as happening. And so as Frodo gets into that kind of daze where the ring he's not putting on the ring the ring is putting itself on its finger yeah. knowing that it can use its uh evil magic through him as a vessel that's when the wraith sense it mm-hmm. um and like Josh said when when it does find its way on as it forces itself on Frodo a number of times um that's when they're yeah, that's when it turns on, right? Yeah. It's not the literal object. When the when the vessel itself, the human itself, is able to avoid the ring and to and to tell it no, it's not sending its signal. That makes so much more sense. Or yep. if it is, it's way more faint. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make way. Yeah, more they're sense. they're tracking they're tracking the ring's power on the person holding it, not the ring itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How lucky that they run into Marion Pippin, who like know about Buckleberry Ferry and Brandywine Bridge and stuff. I also clocked this time through. It's like Marion Pippin, as lovable as they are, they are criminals. They are oh yeah, s- dirty thieves dealing shit <laughs> from this farmer. <laughs> so it's like they're not they're in they are what in the Shire passes for an unsavory character. You know what I mean? They're not like these upstanding citizens. They're sort of the the ne'er do wells, these scamps. Yeah. Who get swept up in this in this thing that <laughs> is bigger than they are. You know? Yeah, it's something about like I, I track this time through as well, this this kind of like serendipity when you're on a quest that things are supposed to happen or meant to be this way, you run yeah. into the people that give you the things that you need or that kind of, you know, happens in star Wars, like crazy, right? If they're not, if they don't get betrayed, like in episode one, if they don't get betrayed, then they're not going to get onto Naboo and then they won't meet this, which means they won't meet that person, which means that they can't get to this thing, which means that, you know, all these kind of things in this idea of like the force and life force through this magic, you know, the store, like this, this is the way it has to be. 
Um, so, you know, so the fact that Sam happens to be passed out underneath to, cause oh, Frodo's going to need a buddy, yeah. right? The fact that they happen to run in a cornfield in the exact same place that Merry and Pippin are, well, thank God they did. Or else the fact that Aragorn happens to be at this tavern, you know, the fact that this happens to be here is just, one can write it off and be like, oh, well, of course they run into the, of course, but I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. No, it's, um, it's storytelling. Yeah. Yep. It's the quest. I do. I do like uh, just really briefly because this is a little earlier, but that the in like the first kind of time that we see Sam freak out about where Frodo is in the cornfield. I just love that moment, and I think Sean Astin sells it so well because it sets up this who Sam is from the beginning when there's no danger, yeah. when the wraiths aren't even there, and he's freaking out, and you're like, okay. I just I really this time through again caught that intro to that character in the same way that we catch the intro to Merry and Pippin. Like, we're like, oh, this is who Sam is. Yep. He cares this much about inti- all this stuff. It's really great. All right, Prancing Pony. Prancing right, Pony. Right before that, though, we have the biggest fucking cameo in the whole movie. PJ. 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 PJ munching on a carrot. Munching yes. on a carrot Burping. in the rain. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and what a, I will say when they get to the gate... Some great stuff with the, there's two doors, you know, he looks yeah. for the human size little slat, yep. goes to the hobbit size slat, like, what's going on? That's when they, like, he's trying to hear their name, see if he hears Baggins as the last name, you know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like entering Bree, we just get a sense of, like, the wider world. You're getting more of a sense of, like, okay, it, more danger, the aperture is widening, yep. like there there's more unsavory characters here. They're they're stepping further out on this on this road. One of them has a ferret. That's another yeah, right. Ferret guy. Ferret, ferret guy. is very dangerous, I guess. You get Ferret's so many good characters, man. Just so many like good faces yeah. in that in that tavern. Yeah. Uh, hello, little masters. Yeah. yeah. Is Daniel Plainview there? Yeah. <laughs> 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 if I a had a straw, drinking <laughs> milkshake, yeah. Do you have a milkshake? <laughs> it comes in pints. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> One day we'll do that on this podcast, and then Brett can do the. We can have Daniel Plainview as a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> One of my impressions I'm most proud of. It's <laughs> such a good one. For those of you who don't know, Daniel Plainview is uh, Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Uh, the reference there. Uh, okay, another confession. Super huge man crush on Strider Aragorn. Always, I'm just everyone, like, I want to be you. Everyone, yeah, everyone loves Aragorn, man. How can you not? It's so cool when you first see him in the in there, and you're just like, man, yes. Just Let's chiefing go. on that bull. Yeah, he is just, just yep. really just smoking, just ripping it, man. <laughs> ripping and watching. Mm-hmm. Just getting getting friggin' stoked up. So does he happen to be there? He just happens, like Strider just happens to be there, right? Or has he heard about goings on and he's seeking out? I think it's it's somewhere in between. I mean, I, I think it, but it does shade towards the latter where it's like he knows kind of what's going on. He's a ranger. And he's like, you know, privy to what's happening. He knows Gandalf. Who knows when the last time Gandalf spoke with him. I think maybe even in the books, like, He's been helping look for Gollum mm. as Gollum being this link from the ring to the Shire. So he like knows what's happening and he's in the area. I also seem to recollect that the meeting at Rivendell has already been called. 
um, in so much as we know everybody is meeting at Rivendell to discuss this thing, how to move forward, um, and that he is on his way there as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, and and I, I, yeah, I feel like there might also even be a tip-off about Underhill. Uh, yeah. It's not as if like he's yeah. having a beer. And, he's like, oh, and what are those four sudden, fucking hobbits doing? He knows. That guy just disappeared. He <laughs> knows what's what's like. He know what. And I'm, he probably knows on. like, okay, I'm looking for hobbits. They're probably going to be stopping around, you know, a whatever block radius of their of Hobbiton. You yeah. Know, like, right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. You know. Presumably something like that. Okay, cool. That's that makes me like makes my heart happy. Like, yes, good. You know, <sighs> fucking Pippin, man. Uh, Always, Pippin. you you brought worst. up Mary and Pippin. I'm just like they're yeah they're like they're lovable and you love them, but you also fucking hate them. Like, fool of a took. Yeah. yeah, they're fuck. They fuck everything up oh, until Pippin, like the third really, movie. He fool of a took. I mean, every you got to drink every time, and it's a lot mm-hmm. because he's a fool a lot. Yeah, yeah. He blows the Baggins cover here so atrociously. I mean, did we not have a conversation when we were cooking the mushrooms or? You know, on night 10, it's like, oh, yeah, all those horses. Part of the reason they're looking for me is because my last name, name is Baggins. Yeah. <laughs> they're quite familiar with that, that they tortured someone to get that name. So we're we're not going to use that name. Like he literally just a second ago was like, yeah, Underhill. My last name is Underhill. Underhill. Pippin sitting there like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why he made up a name. Cool. Whatever. I'm getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. I know. Seriously, dude. The worst. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then we get this moment of the ring just floating down onto his finger. That's such a, a, a iconic shot mm-hmm. from these yeah, movies. Yeah, man. The funnel is, effect. Yes, where it's like, oh, it does have a will of its own. Like it's getting uh, right. This is supernatural. Yeah, it is yeah. not just obeying the laws of gravity. It mm-hmm. has, or Frodo yeah. is just really good at <laughs> yeah, whatever that game is. <laughs> 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 but yeah so there's striders sitting in the corner i'm looking for hobbits and if one of them happens to just disappear out of thin air we got a problem yeah bingo <laughs> i also just like the idea of at one point in in aragorn's life he's like no i don't want to be called aragorn anymore from now on call me strider well he's undercover yeah because he's got a lot of but who come up with the name strider well, maybe he didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I got to go undercover. Well, I think mm. they actually explain it in the book, right? That it's it's not a game that he it's not a name that he's chosen. It's a name that's been given to him as somebody who is is roaming through the the world. Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. I just but you're right. If he picked that name for himself, it's like <laughs> okay, Elrond. I don't want to. Yeah, that's like call me Strider from now on. <laughs> just like. No, never mind. <laughs> I am Batman. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like a Batman moment. Right. Like, oh, Batman, really? Mm-hmm. I did it. I brought Batman yeah, into this one. <laughs> nice. It's a record. Oh man. Um. Yeah. The it, Frodo disappears, and one of my favorite Aragorn lines. Uh, like after he yanks him up and pulls him away, and you know you have to be more careful and whatnot. Is I know what hunts you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you're just like. Oh fuck! This like it, it just—I don't know. For me, it really drops in at that moment. Um, that it, it like if if this grizzled vet is also scared of these fucking things, 
it's we are in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. Like yep. this, this is not, this is not good for anybody. One thing I, I, I promise, fifteen seconds. I do love about the Buckleberry Fairy thing is they meet the one wraith, they get away, and then as they're escaping, the wraiths just seem to multiply. You don't realize how many are in that close of proximity. Yep. And then just all of a sudden, one turns to three, turns to five. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, no. Yep. Do you like the slow-mo shot on the pier? I love it. Me too. Okay, good. Yeah. Because you brought it. up like cheesy slow-mo. I'm like, I, I love the, the that, slow-mo. There are, there are moments elsewhere in the, this trilogy that I don't care for the slow-mo. Here, I love it. Yeah. I, I, During gauzy reunion scenes for instance those are usually oh, yeah, there's yeah. some slow-mo like particularly like, this one at rivendell just get wait. through this yeah yeah right. <laughs> but no it, it totally works in that context yeah. I think the frodo turning the corner and the wraiths right behind him it's and like, so good in that perspective yeah, i'm like yeah. oh my god let's go yeah, yeah good okay i like it um yeah, but yeah that, i know what hunts you yeah and then they they do the old kansas city shuffle the Kansas City Shuffle, which I still, I mean, the first time you see that, you think they've been stabbed. Because yeah, it's yeah. fucking brutal. The way yes. that they walk up and they just do this execution is fucking and the, brutal. Like, the Wraith music, Howard Shore coming in here with the... Yeah. And the innkeeper with his sleeping cap on, just pissing himself. And, like, it's just the power of film editing, yeah. where they're cutting between... Peaceful Sleeping Hobbits, Execution Squad. Peaceful. With also a winky wink, like the director going like, we're going to get him. Is it that way in the book where they try and fool you in the book? Do you remember? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember, but I feel, I do feel like it is. Yeah. I feel like they describe the Wraith situation where they come up to the four poster bed. We know that the Hobbits have that room. Uh-huh. Um, and they describe, you know. Yeah. I, okay. I do feel like it is that way. And oh, I actually think it is. I think um, in the books, uh, they, they say something about like one of them rifling awake as the sword goes down. Mm. Uh, and you think they're at least in the same room. Because um, that's what they, they show Sam oh, doing that. Like, just, yeah. Ah! Yep, and you're right. just like, oh, God. And I love how all of the other hobbits like wake up scared and they just show Frodo sitting there already awake, yeah. waiting and watching. He hadn't even taken his jacket off. No. He's like, I can't sleep. No. I have a question. Do we know why the dwarves didn't turn to wraiths? The dwarves that got the rings? Do not know. Okay. No clue. Would be a fun thing to Google. Yeah. Maybe there are dwarf wraiths out there who are just like fucking around in a mountain. Just like somewhere. in a mountain. Yeah. D-wraith. They're doing the wraith version of only searching for treasure. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. Come do your job. They're like, no, nah, I got to find some ghost diamonds. <laughs> Sauron's like, ah, you guys turned out like shit. Good thing I have my my king man who turned into my my baby boys who ride around <laughs> sniffing for my <laughs> or is just the, like the way that I I guess that I've always explained it away is is this we hear Elrond say it, um, and the the, the whole idea of men are weak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right, and who they desire power, they right. want power, and so what you get is being subjugated and power corrupts mm-hmm. yeah that's what I, that's honestly that's my takeaway as well that the the hearts of men are weak and and also strong there is i love boromir's line there is strength and honor to be found in men but mm-hmm. you will not see that the aragorn it's like 
so many people are are in this in these stories accepting what they're afraid to accept or like 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 Aragorn doesn't want to be this king guy. He's in he's got a pseudonym, he's hiding in the wild and this journey is about him like facing the fear of becoming who he is. Frodo like having to face the task that he's been you know tasked with mm-hmm. is like he's having to accept his destiny i guess in a way or like just what what he has to do what he must do what must i do mm-hmm. but yeah who those kings they went in too deep on those rings and they turned into wraiths it's unfortunate yeah I, and terrifying yeah <laughs> So so they do the Kansas City shuffle and then we go into the wild. Yep. Where is he taking into us? Into the wild. Into the wild. Aragorn does the thing where it's like, I can hear you talking, you stupid hobbits. <laughs> 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 I can hear you whispering about me. Well, and it's it's a great bit of like close up work that Vigo does where he's just like, you know, we see him in the foreground and, and he's just like He's dumbass. Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, if I will also say too, like it's ha- it happens previously, and this probably happens in every movie that's a, a quest. But I really started to notice it in this is like when we're on a quest, we're always going from left to right. Yep, <laughs> it's like because that's the, I guess the direction that we read that we just it's for continuity. But it's like we're always going from the left of the frame to the right of the frame when we're going to the place, you know, and it's uh-huh. like. From in that in that sequence particularly, there's so many cuts where it's like, okay, here we go, we go <laughs> yep. left, right, left, right. We're on the quest. We're going to the place that we need to go. Always to the right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I wonder too if it has to do with the map. Um, of course, because yes. you're moving left to right on the map as well. That's true. Unless That's you're true. looking from the north. If you're looking toward the south, then they'd be going left. Sure, but if you're reading the map, <laughs> right? And if like, you're reading, like if one you're would reading, read a map, if you're reading the map and I'm across from you, <laughs> and I'm then also you reading the map, read the map because it'd be upside down. <laughs> yeah, right. And they'd be going to the left. <laughs> this is why Brett and I don't go on road trips. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> my next note here is, bro, why are you singing? We trying to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Aragorn. Why why are you singing? And Frodo's like, God, fuck, who are you singing about? And he's like, Oh, I lost this. I'm like, Yeah. Who are you singing about? Because I'm trying to fucking sleep because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> why are you just sitting up singing? Go off like ten feet away or something. Yeah. Why do you have to sing that shit right now, bro? Good good cue. He did just kill them an entire deer. <laughs> That's yeah. true. But why is he just openly like singing I feel like I don't think he's disturbing them. no no I know he's not but it just kind of it it stuck out to me this time where like <laughs> everyone's asleep and it's dead quiet and Aragorn just awake and just <laughs> so rolls over is like can you just go like 15 feet away man I really am trying to sleep do you need to sing that song like right now yeah. can you sing it like tomorrow when we're questing to the right <laughs> He's so sad, though. He is. He misses his Bro, baby. I'm sad, too. I'm carrying a death ring. I got wraiths after me. I want sleep. Oh, shit. One, t- one thing that I really noticed in this watch through are the subtle sound effects and, and scoring cues. Um, for instance, the, the just 
ever so subtle ringing you hear when the ring is on screen. There's mm. just like this tiny little like echo. Um, that's really, really cool. Yep. I think, um, I, I, I have it here noted when they're at Weathertop. Um, I, I can't remember the exact moment, but Weathertop is the old lookout tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The watchtower of Amun-Sur. Of Amun-Ra. Amun-Ra. Did you catch the mummy thing that happened in this movie? No. When the like, when she gets the whole water that comes down, reminds oh, me of the mummy the, returns. Yeah, the horses in the, the river. I wanted her face to show up and try and eat the. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Can you oh, believe that man. Brett signed on to do another season with me? Can you believe that? I'm so, I'm shocked right now, man. Why aren't there more mummy faces in movies? Like where someone's a natural, a natural thing turns into someone's face and tries to eat someone else. Like it could be water, it could be sand, it could be bugs. You know, it could be slime. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I agree. It could be water horses. Yeah. It could be water horses. Missed opportunity, Peter Jackson. <laughs> Unbelievable. 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 <laughs> oh, man. That's such that chase. Oh, man. Yeah. So epic. So epic. Like where where she's like, I'm the faster rider, motherfucker. Like it's also the way we get introduced to Arwen is via her sword at Aragorn's neck. You know, like that's such, that behavior is so tells it gives us so much information about their relationship and who she is and yeah and she's like and they're given yeah the total give and take that they mm-hmm. have yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah she goes something like what's this a ranger, ranger caught, caught off his guard yeah and you're like oh fuck and he's like he's like i do not have time for this bullshit yeah. right <laughs> you know what you know what i had a moment just thinking where he's like <laughs> i had a hard day at work okay I just burned a wraith in the face <laughs> with a torch. That scene before we before we get yes. too far, like the fight yes. scene there again, Pippin or one of them cooking tomatoes. Up. It's all three of them cooking tomatoes. Frodo's like, I go to sleep for five minutes, and for you give sake. our position away. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, I read that. I read that Viggo Mortensen r- did not want to have a uh a, a rubber sword or a fake but he used a full steel sword for his entire all of his fight sequences yep. and everything wow which is he did, he did most of his own stunts in this um we'll talk about in that i think it's the next movie where he breaks his foot mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> epic um but yeah it, uh the the sword there's a really I don't know if it's a full scale documentary. I'm sure you could probably find it on YouTube. The um the fight choreo for this is, is I I can't oh God I can't remember his name. I almost said his name is Bobby Knight, but that's an Indiana basketball coach. Different uh, kind of, <laughs> no no chair throwing in this. I do think this guy's name is Bob though, um who's like old school Hollywood fight choreo, uh, and I remember watching maybe it was just a behind the scenes that's on the extra extended edition and stuff, um but I remember watching that and like him going through sword training with, with Vigo Mortensen and like specifically the scene at the end of this movie where Vigo's on top of the mountain and there's 600 Orakai coming after mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Vigo's it's really, I don't know. I like that choice to use the full steel um, because it gives it weight, right? It, it's effortful. Um, and you, you also can't like once you make the swing, 
you have to deal with the results of momentum. You can't just like swing and then immediately pull it back. Like you, it, that's not how steel works or gravity. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, this, this, this fight scene's really, really great. Uh, I, I always get a giggle though of the Wraith running away with a torch in his face because he just kind of, exactly. It's like bad Halloween movie. Yeah. It reminds me of Scrooged with, uh, Bill Murray. Murray. Yeah. Like the ghost of Christmas future or whatever. Is that kind of like, like puppet (laughs) Jim Henson puppet? Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the horse chase, the Arwen horse chase. Yep. Um, because Frodo has been stabbed it's by been a Morgul blade. Mm-hmm. This crazy fucking, he's been poisoned. He's going to turn into one of them mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs elvish medicine. I have to say, one of the most unsettling things in these movies are when Frodo is poisoned. Uh, that, like, completely um, white out that they do on his face that's almost green, both here yeah. and with Shalob later, yep. um, is really unsettling. And he gets the little like crusties, crusties. He gets his crusties and the spittle. And With the Blu-ray too, I was like, "Wow, his eyes are crazy, bloodshot and yeah. stuff, and like oh, yeah. really messed up." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, I mean, really awesome effects and makeup. Well, work and there. Elijah Wood is already so fucking pale. Yeah, as a just complexion Human, period. Yeah. That like adding that, I have to say, when when he first sees Arwen, I wrote down, "Yeah, I'd look that way too if I saw Liv Tyler." <laughs> Coming up to me in real life, she's I'd be like, a very pretty lady. Oh wow! Hey, hey there. This is one thing you might not know. She's not featured in the books hardly at all. Really? Yeah. They they make a brief reference uh, in this scene when he's at Rivendell to his love of Arwen, um, but there's not that scene when they're on the little trellis bridge doesn't happen. It she is like, I don't even think she shows up to save Frodo. Oh, I don't. I think she is that. Must. Does she? I think so. Maybe. I. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Because she does the elf magic with the horses. She's right, the one right, who right, can right, like right. summon okay. the river. I think so. But their love story is this prominent. Yes. For sure. Okay. But I mean, come on. Talk about an epic love story. She has to decide whether to be immortal and with her family, or live a totally. single mortal life and stay with with Bay. Incredible. With that a dude that its is own, at, its who's own actively trilogy. risking his life for yeah. the yeah, it's mm-hmm. huge, great mm-hmm. story, huge stakes. And um, I think Liv Tyler does really well in the, this movie. I think she does. Uh, like I like her vocal work. I think mm-hmm. um, for a character that's not super well written uh, in the book, number one as far as source material, and then number two is there like mainly to like add a, a love story. Yeah, add um, a female presence. Yeah, like. I love, like we mentioned, like this little interplay where where we first get to see that Aragorn is not this like, no, I will do it because I'm the man and I can do like, I'm the faster rider. You're fucking right. You go. But be safe because I love you. You yes. know, like I, I think these little interplays are great. And Liv Tyler already is very expressive. I think she has a very expressive eyes. Um, so a lot of these scenes where she's just like watching him leave or, you know, Watching him come here or whatever, like good save. Yep, because <laughs> <laughs> those eyes will also be expressive later in the series. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. She 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 kills it for sure. But yeah, I, the, I I have the note like, man, I love a good horse full gallop. Like it's incredible. It's incredible, man. We talked about it. Westerns, month, probably once upon a time in the Yeah, uh, it. Yeah, that's right. It's 
it oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Shoot, shooting horse chases is fucking awesome. When it's done well. And it, and this, this particular one that's not just like on a dolly either where they're cutting in and out of the trees. It's, you know, yeah, some you great get editing, that. You get that work too. helicopter shot with them sort of in this V behind her, you know. It Amazing. really reminded me of the westerns. Like you totally, can tell that he 100%. pulls from these old westerns. Yeah, you know, with just open space because it's fucking exciting. Yeah, man, 100%. it's so good. Yeah, there's some George Miller in it too. Uh huh. Um, as well. Uh, Who is George Miller? Mad Max. The Mad Ooh, Max. Ooh, yes. Also Australian. Um, mm. love it. Yeah, that and that's also the first time where we realize that all nine wraiths are there. Mm-hmm. Yep is in this chase. You're like, cause she says as much. He's like, you know, you've been being chased by five where the four, the other four are, no one knows, or we don't know. And then she's off to the races and you're like, Oh, they're here too. Yeah. Great. Yep. Fuck. Fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Love that. Yeah. Love that for her. Love that for Frodo. <laughs> and like, he's actively dying and you like the makeup's getting worse. And you know, she's just like, fucking hold on, man. Like, and then she whispers a, you know, whatever to her horse, like, like you got to go faster. Just like, give me everything you got here. And it's the music. And I mean, again, it's these moments in this movie that I'm like, I know what happens. I've seen it 5,000 times and I'm still like, come on, go, go, go just, just a little faster. Come on, come on. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. She got to the river. <laughs> like, yeah. like she wasn't going to get to the river. The thing that always gets me about this scene is like the little brush she gets on her cheek. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that's what she gets the brush she yep. gets the brush you know adds danger we get a little blood that's right no, no one makes me bleed my own blood <laughs> <laughs> uh for extra points you listeners out there and you gentlemen what is her horse's name steven tyler correct oh no her horse's name <laughs> is so you're implying she's steven riding her dad tyler do you know the name oh, god as soon as it's one of those things, like as soon as you say it, I'm gonna be like, ah, of course. Asphaloth. 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 Man, that Elvish language is very sexy. Asphaloth. Say it with me. Asphaloth. 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 Is a ph sound at the end or a th sound? At th. The end? Th. Oh, th. Asphaloth. So she's going. Noronim asphaloth. Noronim asphaloth. Which is, I guess, Elvish for faster, faster. Fucking go faster. Fucking go faster, you piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Being that That was one of my favorite things about rereading the books was like, oh, Asphaloth. Right. Cool. Yeah. Like, I've heard it said all that time. The bridge of Kazadur. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. But she she makes it to the river. If you want him, come and claim him. And she's that, baiting him, right? That means she knows. 100%. Yes, yes. We've it's seen them the, be afraid of water before. Like, they didn't want to go into the water to chase Frodo. Yes. So right. the fact that they even go in the water, number one, is pretty big, right? Yes. Great voice, too, for the Wraith, who's like, give up the halfling, she elf. <laughs> yeah, it's... Just like, it's one of the... If I had a halfling! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want all of Brett's impressions for the rest of the movie, the rest of the podcast, is to Daniel, just be Daniel, Daniel Plainview. Plain this like, is my halfling, Frodo Baggins. <laughs> but yes, sorry. So, <laughs> get some. Frodo drops it in. I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So good. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. She gets she gets them in the river. Yep. And then she does the incantation and the power of the elves protects them. I remember from the book, I think that the horses are like Gandalf's extra uh icing on the river cake. Yes. Like he's like, that was me who did the horses. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, it's like they Because Gandalf's able to watch from it, he's made it to Rivendell by that point, and he's able to oh, like help right. whatever magic it is that protects them from. Because the that race. river is the border between her, like, between it, yeah, it, it is the the extraterritorial border of Rivendell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then we don't see them again in, in this movie. Who the Nazgul, or do we the wraiths? The uh, wraiths? Yeah, the Nazgul. Aren't, yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um. I, I specifically think of, of Nazgul when they're mounted flying. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Kinda, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they're sort of vanquished for fellowship's purposes at that moment. Yeah. Because, I mean, we see them again in the in the trilogy. Yeah. But, like, that incapacitates them, like, for a yeah, while. Yeah, they, they get fucked. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no. They go bye-bye for a minute. Yeah. In so much as, like, I maybe it is in the books. I'm having a recollection of, like, not only are they like washed down the river, but they are like fucking washed down the river. Yeah. yeah. Um a far, 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 far and it, away. Like, yeah, they're they're and, fucked up. Yeah. Probably with a magic too, right? That mm-hmm. probably like fucks mm-hmm. them up. They've mm-hmm. have to they gotta um they gotta recharge their mana. They, yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. <laughs> they have to like go res. Yeah. Get those HP buffs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um level up. Little get their weapons, <laughs> weapons right. stats a little higher. Has to res them, like rebuff them. Get some new vehicles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we get to we get to Rivendell and God, welcome to Rivendell, Mister Baggins. <laughs> Man, Mister Baggins, Mister Baggins. <laughs> I fucking love Hugo Weaving. I know, man. dude. Like his eye, there are so many eyebrows in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like between Gandalf Tons. and and oh Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee's are Fucking out of control. Saruman has the winning eyebrows of the Fellowship of the yeah. Ring for sure. Sauron has the least winning eyebrows. Yeah, so, so. he has no eyelids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does not have one. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're you're right. And the number one, I just love the the set decoration and art direction of Rivendell yeah. mm. like that, that exterior, like not exterior, but, but wide shot of, <laughs> of Rivendell. We are just like, God, that's fucking paradise. Yeah. Like what a retreat. Oh my God. What a and chic. You can resort. just, you can just tell that like the storyboard art that they, whoever drew up, they were just like, yep. Just make that a little bigger, and I'm gonna put a camera on it because you know what's cool is like I, I wish I had off the top of my head the illustrator's uh, name, but in in a version of Lord of the Rings, there are illustrations in there, and those illustrations by that artist are pretty influential in terms of like the the art art direction of I was these say, films. This is this is one thing that they get. As a reader, you picture Rivendell to look exactly like they show yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The way they describe the the number of waterfalls and the way that Elrond, like the way that this council sitting like sits on top of this like bluff and yeah. Well, they got and they got those illustrators 
to like be a part of this whole production. Mm. Cool. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's I, dope. I, I read that somewhere. But going back to like to Hugo Weaving for a second, I just like, you know, you know, we, we've all, the three of us went to the same grad program and all that stuff, but like going, talking about his, his text work and the way in which he uses consonants, you know, him and V for Vendetta is the prime example of like, you never see his face and he's just like, he has that whole monologue that is an alliteration with V's. Yep. It's so fucking good. And it's something like, oh yeah. Like, I don't know of another actor who uses, you know, uses consonants in the way in which he does. That is like not a stage actor. I don't think Hugo Weaving is a stage I, I actor. I think he does stage stuff. I, I think maybe he is. I want to say that he is. I would, I would, I would think that he is. I just haven't, haven't ever heard of him doing stuff yeah, on Broadway. I, I, I don't know. Well, I think he does stuff maybe in Australia or something. Like, mm. like I, I think that he like is out there doing, you know, uh, Miss Julie or something, or Hedda Gabler or something. That, yeah, you know, he, like, that he fits in that world. <laughs> classical stuff where he's yeah doing Ibsen and yeah. Shaw. And, he yeah. got he got those chops. Yeah, you know, I mean, because you can tell like him, Christopher Lee, Ian McKellen, like. They all use all of their the, those constants so well, and like at some point I, I had to write it down. The uh, when he says, you know, the uh, Mordor, like yeah, the way right. he Mordor, mm-hmm. it's just like, and then that's why he's so fucking like Mister Anderson, yeah, and yeah. you're just like, <laughs> juicy. It's the thing again for me as well with with Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee, Ian Holm, like you know, um, these august performers. You need people who got some chops to play like King Elfman, who yeah. has to head the council. Like it's or so big wizard, fantastical, <laughs> and 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 just out of control, wild that it has to be so grounded and you have to believe the acting like he they just sell the shit out of it and yeah. it's why you you don't it's what separates it from being just like all the all so much fluff right you know it's so invested with stakes like you were talking about before you're like i'm sure man we gotta we gotta go to mordor mm-hmm. we gotta go yeah um want to call out that moment that you mentioned earlier the slow motion like hobbit reunion and like, yeah. not only is it bad because it's slow motion, but it's also like you can see, like not literally, but you can basically see the actors of Mary and Pippin like waiting off camera. Yeah. And you can see Frodo go, I'm just walking into this space because nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I don't expect to see. Oh, <laughs> it's my friends. <laughs> Let's jump up and down. And I think the only yeah. part of that scene that works is Sam in the background going like, yep, here they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then this next scene with Ian Holm is really fucking awesome. Yeah. And Ooh, yeah. I just, I love, you know, talking about those stakes and also the nuanced performance, you know, that when he just, you know, Frodo says something like, I never wanted this. And, and Ian Holm just goes, my dear boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are three words, and it almost brought me to tears watching it because I'm yeah. just like, he filled those three words with the entire there and back again. Yeah. Like everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fucking 
rest in peace, Ian Holm. He he passed this year. Yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. re- very recently, I think just yeah. a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so good. No doubt. Um, well, and it's crazy too the amount of training he had to do to get his um face to pop <laughs> out like that. Really, what kind of training did he have? To I do? mean, I your I, face I, betrays he, you so he bad. Worked, <laughs> he worked with with um. I understand with like an orthodontist and like, you know, they, they made sure it was safe. But when he pops his face out like that, you're like, that's just like, you just believe him. Yeah, it's very, that it's he so really believable. wants that ring so bad. You right. Know, like that he's like, that his whole like color changes, his teeth get sharp and then he morphs yeah. it back. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. Just, it's it. Dude, training, man. Yeah. It comes with training. training. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that that was like. I always remember like seeing this movie for the first time. I was all I was afraid to to watch it because I thought I'd be scared, and then I I wasn't, which was like, yay, great. Except for that fucking moment. yeah, it's that, it's one of the like just honest to goodness jump out moments of this movie that you are not expecting. I like I I've told you both. The first time I saw this movie was in an AMC theater with two hundred and fifty other eighth graders. Whoa. Um. And, and how old were you? Thirteen. Yeah. Just unbelievable. <laughs> why, why are you in a theater? Un- with- unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Not appropriate. <laughs> um, but I have a vivid memory of that exact moment. Like that would that was a scream scare. Oh, of course. That was a scream scare in that theater. Yeah. At like people jumping out of seats, stereotypical, like huge. Yeah. And then we get all the like cheesy hero entrances dude the sweeping thing and it's like stereotypical boromir like riding through the gate and just like gazing at nothing yeah (laughs) and then same with the legolas like he like the camera swoops in from one angle and you know behind him to 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 allow him to like hair flip and look to nothing as well fucking love it yep i mean love it i mean you know you're like great you know what i thought in this moment in this watch through is like here comes boromir on his horse here comes legolas on his horse the dwarves walked here (laughs) (laughs) True. i guess they got an earlier memo or they live closer or they just make incredible time on foot because the dwarves are on foot Everyone and they else got shorter legs. Galloped their way here. Their Uber couldn't find the address and just dropped them at the top yeah. of the street. Oh man! And then we—I mean, the Council of Elrond, iconic scene, epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, parodied, parodied at the Oscars. I remember one year, very uh, Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had to like—it was like a scene where they had to get a cock ring off, <laughs> right? And they, That's they were fantastic. like, yeah, they were like, like a, yeah. you have my axe, you know. It's just an iconic scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Legolas totally bros out in it, too. And he's like, this is Aragorn. Yep. Son of Arathor. Exposition yeah. delivered as, you know, arg- an argument or yeah. confronting someone. Well, and, and right, right directly before you that. You owe I, him your allegiance. Uh, true. I just want to call out a thing in, in response to Aragorn. It's uh, Elrond is talking to, I think talking to Gandalf, but he says, like, you know, he has chose he has chosen exile mm-hmm. and as soon as as soon as that happens it's like this super quick cut jump cut to close up on aragorn's face yeah um and as soon as he says that aragorn is looking down and he looks up like centimeters from looking directly at the camera 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's just this, it really pops out. It's really cool. There, it, I don't know if we, we don't really get a lot of like, out, I mean, Frodo does it a couple of times, but almost directly looking at us and you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. This almost is down the barrel mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah. And you're like, it, it stands it, is he breaking the fourth wall right now? Uh, no, I don't think so, but, but close. And it's also this huge color shift from like the warm orangey yellows of, of, like the upper decks of air uh, of Rivendell and then down to like the catacombs of this like cool blue. And so it just says, and then his eyes pop and just the framing of it, the editing of it uh, and the storytelling of that as well of like, I have chosen boom exile. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like you can see into his soul. I want to say like, on some of these bigger movies that we've done on this podcast and like Godfather last summer, we know that they're good. We know that they're like fucking solid as hell. And so a lot of my approach in watching these movies is like, yeah, I know I fucking love it. I know I nerd out on this. I know that everyone loves it, but like, but why, what is the reason that makes them so fucking good? You know? And so I was trying to like see with new eyes or find things like what, what are things that make me go, oh, man, that's a moment that makes this jump out and put it above other fantasy movies or whatever. So anyway, for listening audience, or that's, that's kind of an approach that I've, I was taking. That's a moment that I noticed uh, that I fucking love. Um, totally. Yeah, that, I mean, that whole scene, I forget what the, the, the chamber name is, uh, where he meets Boromir downstairs, um, is really, really cool. The Sword Museum. Yeah, the Sword Museum. Does it bother anyone else that Aragorn is so precious with this thing, and then he puts it back on the, like, shelf? And it's crooked. <laughs> and it's crooked! Yeah, it does bother me, sir. Thank you for bringing it up. Yes! Does it also bother you that when we're introduced to him in that scene, he's reading a book like this? <laughs> That's how people read books back then. <laughs> Look, he has to, he's a, he's a ranger. He's looking a lot. His eyes get tired. He forgot his glasses. They He's got a fucking Duna dying. Yeah. He'll will be fine. <laughs> right. um, no, it is true. First of all, it's like Boromir. Do you usually go to museums and like touch shit, pick shit up, and drop it on the ground, leave it on the ground, sir? Especially when you're like, oh, this is a three thousand year old sword. All right, I'm out. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. I know. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, but yes, if I'm Aragorn in that moment, I make sure that it's fucking straight. Absolutely. And yep. it hasn't been touched for ever. Right. There's surely like an outline and an impression where it was. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Just set it back down. Also, there's now blood on the sword that's going to make it rust. It's actually an elvish blade. It won't rust. Oh, it is elvish. Mm-hmm. I, I guess think, it makes right? sense. That's why they have it. Oh, hell yeah. That blade is elvish as shit. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. That's elvish, bro. Yeah. That's an elvish shit. Yeah. Narsim. All of all of the best swords are elvish. No, it makes yes. sense. Sting. Elvish. Glamdring. Glamdring. Elvish. Narsil. Elvish. Elvish. Uh I know Brett probably is not gonna like this, but I love the shot of Aragorn and Arwen in the woods. Um on the little bridge. Yep. Um again. Not necessarily, like, I think the scene is fine and, and beautiful and all that, but the, just the first shot of them standing there is just a super well-constructed shot. And 
I'm a huge sucker for like light it's very rays. Very storybooky. Yeah, it is, and it, well, it also reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Braveheart. Bookish. Mm. You know that that shot of Braveheart early on when he's like in the woods getting married before his whole family gets slaughtered and and whatever, but he has this the wedding to the the. I have only seen Braveheart once. Yeah, I don't remember. yes, vaguely I remember. It reminds me of that, or you know that that same kind of construction. But again, I'm I'm just such a huge sucker for like light through trees or light through clouds and light rays, which happens like fucking crazy in these movies, which I'm all in. But again, there's just this like earthy, like in the woods, and like that magic romanticism that I'm yeah, like. Yeah, the way that they in. have the way that they position elves as luminescent. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is they really glow. Elves yeah. glow. Even when, when Sam and uh Frodo go and look at the wood elves who are leaving, like that's the first time we clock this quality of light. Right. Where they glow in like, and you even in the reverses where we look at Sam and, and Frodo, it's like all over their faces, just like they have this almost bioluminescent yeah. quality. Hundred percent. Um, that's that's really cool to look to look at. Yeah. You know, I I like I like the setup and construction of that scene. Fine. I don't even dislike the the story of of Arwen in this movie. I just am not. I don't particularly care for Liv Tyler. Gotcha. She bothers me for the same reason Nicole Kidman bothers me. Um, which is this like under breath whisper acting thing that they do. Um, and I I think it takes away mm. from in their intention. Gotcha. But recognize that that's a personal thing. Sure. So, sure. Um, yeah, but no, we, that's, a, that's a scene where we get a sense of the stakes of their relationship. Yeah, even you know. Star. Mm-hmm. I we read learn, that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just we learn that, you know, Arag- Aragorn, orphan, his mom was like, you got to live with the elves, you know, and he doesn't want the responsibility that his... That is his inheritance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The inheritance is an interesting theme throughout these movies. I think, like technically, Frodo inherits the ring. Interesting, Absolutely. right? He inherits right. this burden. Mm-hmm. You know, Bilbo's mm-hmm. like, "I'm sorry that you have to bear this burden, but it's 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 been passed to him." Same with Aragorn; like he's inherited the legacy not only of Isildur's failings but you know he's got the he's got the blood of Numenor he's he's got the strength to rise to the occasion but he also has the the same weakness Mm -hmm. I mean and it's echoed again in the famous Gandalf quote in in Moria right when they're sitting there in front of the doors when when he says all we have to do is decide what is you know decide what to do with the time that is given to us right this idea of of um uh, destiny versus uh, what 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 what's the um, phrase for being able to choose your own future? Um, like free will. Or yeah, whatever? exactly. Like free will versus fate. Yeah, right. Um, and it's it's echoed in that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. This idea of like this burden was put upon me. How do I reconcile with that? Like, is it? Do I? You know. Can can I change the course of history, mm-hmm. um, or do I have to accept what is what I've been given as is the only like the only way forward? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And either way, I need to do like do the best that I can with whatever I'm doing. Period. Yeah. Like on a on a micro scale, even. Yeah. You know. 
that was, you know, I was going to wait till we got there, but that was one of those quotes that was like, man, that, that lives out today for sure during Black Lives Matter and pandemic and, um, and election coming up and like dark times we live in. I do believe there's still good in the world. Totally. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a text, it's films, it's a text that reflects, I think, like, uh, like many worthwhile pieces of art. It's like you can look at it and, and see your own time, your own, uh, you know, your own time reflected in, in, in the pages and in the, the story. Well, and this movie came out in December of, of 2001. So this is a couple of months after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. woof. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I love jumping backward to the, to the actual, to the council meeting. I love the, uh, the leaves falling around the, the council. I read that those were just, the leaves had to be collected and individually painted to match the fall colors. So, cause you know, and they were like, because there were only so many of them, they were just like a bunch of PAs. <laughs> Stage hands just like throwing fucking Like leaves. literally like Incredible. laying on top above all of these people, like dropping leaves. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, movie magic. Yep. Practical effects. That would not happen today. Today it's CGI'd. Right. Just draw that shit in there. Yeah. Right. Totally. Love it. The majority of this movie is wall-to-wall uh, scoring. And another thing I was tracking in this movie is the specificity of silences. And, uh, you know, because like we've mentioned already with a lot of the shots and a lot of everything, the, uh, you know, there, there are like five main themes in this movie, mm-hmm. in all of the movies, right? You have the Shire theme. You have the fellowship theme. Um, You have the ring theme. The high strings. Yep. You have the like um, orcs, Urukai, Sauron, evil theme. Like a lot of minor, like individual themes of like this is Aragorn's theme. This is like Legolas. This is you know like a lot of those minor like themes here. So and they're chosen very specifically and woven in and out. And you know a lot of times, especially with the Fellowship theme, it's played with rhythmically, which I love. How sometimes it's just you know the the well, I'll get there in a second because we're about to get to the big like Fellowship reveal. All I'm saying is the silence is also very specific. And so when, um, when Elrond says, one of you must do this, dead silent. Yeah, almost to comedic effect this time watching it through. Like, it's yeah. just goes, it cuts to this master. It's like, master shot of like, it's like, everyone's sitting there, no one's moving a muscle. It's like, oh shit. Someone got to step up right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I no dig score. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's effective for yeah. sure. Yeah. Comic effect. You're you're right. Like when you've seen it 
enough, as many times as we have. You're just like, <laughs> you're like oh wow, no one's shit. no one's jumping at. Yeah, the, you kind of want someone to just go. Everybody seems yeah. to talk a big game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> WTF? Yeah. And then we get the famous one does yeah. not simply walk. One does not simply walk into Mordor. A, a million memes were born. Yeah. Yep. In that in that moment. What's mm-hmm. funny is the screenshot for the meme is when he says orcs. Uh, and not when you one does not simply walk into Mordor because he, uh, yeah, it's great. Sean Bean, man, can you can you He's believe like best. he has been in the biggest, yeah, biggest franchises, yeah, between this Game of Thrones, Bond, like give me a break, Sean Bean, dying early in all of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so good. But he's yeah, he fits that. I I had this thought this time through of like, could is there a world where Vigo and Sean switch roles? Like, could you see Sean Bean being Aragorn all the way through? And could you see Vigo playing Boromir? Because they're similar, right? Like, those two are brought in for similar roles, right? They're the two kingdom of men. Sean, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, no, I don't think I can envision that. Um, Because, like, Ned Stark is kind of, is kind of like Aragorn-ish. He has the same values, sure. Uh-huh. Uh but Ned Stark is not is not a loner. He's not a like he's not a a man who has skirted his his inheritance or his his life. Um he's also like abides by a code of honor that is a little bit different than Aragorn's too, I think. Um a, a higher duty to family. Um I think that it's harder to put Viggo Mortensen in the Boromir role. Mm-hmm. He's just, I don't know, the way, just the way he, he looks, um, angularly dispositioned, the way he holds himself, his jaw tension, um, lends to somebody that's a little rougher around the edges. Boromir is polished. He's Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and Sean Bean has that. In his essence, I feel like there, there's that. Um, I don't know, hidden desperation or something. Like there, there's a a vulnerability. His vulnerability so fits perfectly Boromir. In terms of like he pre, he he has an external, real kind of bravura, golden boy almost vibe, but he has he has an internal kind of. Uh, twistedness or something the same thing that you see in like uh trevelyan for in in goldeneye or something like to me it's like he has that positive mask good guy mask with like something twisting him underneath right whereas what i get from vigo mortensen is you just he presents as outsider yeah Mm -hmm. you know more his essence is more like outside externally you're dealing with with someone who you maybe is going to give you pause he's not going to be at like he's not going to be like the ceo of the company but his his core is there's a core goodness Mm -hmm. that you read in his essence whereas with sean bean you're like he's the ceo of the company and he's also and you're like what's there's something he's right he's deeply wounded in Mm -hmm. a way exactly exactly yes yes it's a fascinating thought experiment though i love i love that like because it's pretty clear the rest of the like mary and pippin are i think more like a little interchangeable in this 
movie, I think, as it goes forward. I mean, like, they, they yes. are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah. That's the whole, the Absolutely. whole, the whole jig is yeah. in the, in, in the books is like these two bumble fucks literally are fucking everything up for right. everybody yeah. until they each have their own moment where they personally take responsibility for their actions. Sure. Point being like net those character, those actors, they're not going to be Frodo and you know, Sean Astin isn't going to be Frodo and, and neither is, well, uh, uh, Elijah Wood's not going to be Sam. Like, yeah, like right. the, it seemed a very, pretty clear cut. Like I, I was also wondering about that though, with like Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen, like, could you switch those two actors? Very cool anecdote from this YouTube cast reunion that Josh Gad hosted you know, first day, early, early days of shooting there at craft services or whatever at dinner or something. Ian McKellen's in line getting food. Christopher Lee kind of sidles up to him and is like, you know, I always thought I should have played Gandalf. Ian McKellen's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And like, they ended up being really good friends and like getting close, but like, Absolutely, Christopher Lee. Of course, you know Christopher Lee like a, a for fifty years. Fan for right, of course he's getting for like, Gandalf. I am going to be Gandalf. Yeah. And and it hindsight's twenty twenty. But again, I feel like you know the essence of those actors. Ian McKellen has a playfulness. Just his humanity is so clear on and it. joyous. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's such a core part of Gandalf. Maybe not even in the books as clearly, but but he made it that way 100 but like you know he's the guy who brings fireworks to the party for the mm-hmm. kids to delight the children for if for, for no other reason than to just bring them joy you know mm-hmm. and ian mckellen to me like has that essence and christopher lee has that he's dracula Fucking dracula yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so that goes to the casting right like the casting director and and the casting team and producers and directors going like yeah, like playing the like, you know, game on the board of like, put this person here. So I think there's no doubt that these movies are cast fucking perfectly. Yeah. I, yep. So good. For yeah, I, yeah, I fucking love it, man. Um, I w- uh, down to the guy who says, um, what orders for Mordor, my lord? Yeah. I will say, um, you know, watching, rewatching these movies, they're so close to my heart. And, um, we, we spoke very briefly about the context of our times, representation becoming more and more of an issue in terms of casting. And like, these movies are so white. They're the, they're the, just the whitest, the whitest movies you could possibly watch. And like, really, it, it struck me so strongly watching this YouTube cast reunion where it's like, oh, wow, we're all, every, everyone's white. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all white people, you know? Yeah. And like, not. Yes, please continue. That, and sir. that's just it it is what it is. It's it's problematic. It's 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 a part of the legacy of these films and I feel like we'd be remiss to not mention it and acknowledge it, you know. Um but it in in the casting process is where that that stuff has to be um on the table, you know. And, yeah. and I think I think we got to be better, but these it, movies are very white. It also doesn't do the movie any legwork either in the in the positive direction that the big bads in this movie, the Urukai all have dreads and right, right. are, you know, have, have darker skin, darker skin and, and hairstyles that are, are non-white. Right. Um, well, then we get right. The, the, 
people of color that we meet in this movie are the evil men from the south who come to join Sauron in his evil deeds you know it's like it's really it's just bad yeah It's, it's super bad yeah and it's this weird thing too because like I feel like a lot of fantasy stories are like have a have a very large element of acceptance you know like there are two doors or two two like flaps on the doors in Brie right there's like the one for the tall people and one for the little people like and he checks both like that is written that it, that is in there we like we we're doing both you know it's not like a i got tall well you're not tall so you can't come in like any of that kind of thing and i think about like star wars like there's you know a, a bunch of different alien races a bunch like and everyone's just like on the same not treated any different because you look fucking like a you got balls on your chin or whatever one of the aliens looks like in uh, in Tatooine. You know the right. one. You know what I'm talking about. Totally. Uh, scrotum chin, and and so like you know there are so many different races in. Oh yeah, old scrotum chin. He's old, in the back. You know yeah. you've seen him. He's the one that has he's in the, the corner booth. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but you know you have this like idea of all of the races uh, uh, coming together for this common good. You know, men, dwarves, elves, wizards, hobbits, all of the all coming together, and there's competition. The dwarves don't like the elves, and and whatever. But like, there's there doesn't seem to be this inherent like racism among these races. So there's that weird dynamic. This sort of like, well, or it's so um, fantasized, like dwarves hate elves, you know, it's like there's animosity, like never trust an elf, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a weird form of like prejudice in this world, but it's like, you know, never trust a wizard, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty far removed from, from reality. Mm-hmm. That we can be, we can laugh or be comfortable with it. You know, it's like, it's, it's fantasy. It's right. escapist. It's, right. it's not trying to deal with those problems directly. You know, we're, we're living in a world where there's good, there's evil. Evil must be destroyed. Good will prevail. You know, it's not as, um, as gray as the real world, I would mm-hmm. say. But Yeah. And I just say that because it's like, and it's weird than to have everyone be white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely sticks out. Totally. Um, we talked about Gandalf's look when he hears Frodo say, I will do it, I will take that, that, again, that Mike will. Yeah, mm-hmm. that change mm-hmm. of his, like, <sighs> no, Frodo. His, like, like the, the, the simultaneous, like, don't do this to yourself, you don't know what you're walking into, but also, like, what a pure gesture and like i like all of the simultaneous reactions are really awesome yeah they're like okay ian we need you to tell the story with your eyes again yeah um we're gonna do the same shot the story's happening behind you you're in the foreground we're gonna watch you take in the story and everyone's gonna understand what's happening well i feel like so much of like that thing is just the personalization of who frodo is to him you know where he's like you, you, if you, if you're able to find that, that one, that perfect substitution to be able to then go like thinking about that person doing, you know, like doing this thing. And then all you have to do is just have that image and then it's just a breath and it's like, and that's like 
oh, that's it. That's easy. You know, like, of course, that's fucking so fucking difficult. But like the brilliance of these actors that and and, you know, athletes, too, where you're like, wow, that triple axle looked fucking easy. I can do that. <laughs> you can't fucking stand on ice skates, you know, because um, it, it like it's literally such a simple moment. He just takes a breath. And that's it. Yeah. But yep. there's so many layers to yeah, it. It's the, unbelievable. Yeah. The pain of knowing the consequence of what was just said. And like, yeah. 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 No doubt. And then um, another small little look, Elrond's look when like he's fine with Samwise coming in. He's like, even when I, you, you know, you weren't invited to this exclusive meeting, oh, but you're old Sam. So yeah. you're fine. And then right. Mary and Pip show up and he's like, what the, the fuck? fuck? You got a cockroach infestation. <laughs> like, the fuck? How did you sneak into my secret council? Sneaky little fucking halflings. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. And you're like, oh, shit. Elrond's going to throw down right now. <laughs> if anyone else pops out, like, you better watch out. Yeah. Um, and then I said we were going to get there, but I, so now we're here. This is the first time we got the whole, we got the whole gang together. It's like. And my axe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. You've got my sword. And my bow. Amazing scene. My axe. So good. Orlando Bloom. God love him. He feels exactly what he needs to fill in this movie. 100%. Totally. Pretty face. Absolutely. And, and I, I, you know, there's no, I think it, they're all, it's well done. I I enjoy his performance in the, in in this movie. Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I do too. I do too. I don't think he like changes anyone's view on acting or the world, but I don't think he needs to. I, to be clear, I don't either. I like I like him. There's just this like squinty eye thing that he does where everything is just this is epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty yeah. boy hero. He's just kind of yeah. playing pretty yeah, yeah, boy yeah. hero. Fair, 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 fair. Um and to be fair, like this is his first big thing ever. Yeah, right. Is this the same year or the year before Pirates or This is before he gets this role. Three months before he graduates school. Gotcha. Yep. So this role gets in Pirates. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he starts shooting Pirates toward the end of this whole process or like probably the year. That's right. That's right. The year after this films kind of thing. Um, but. Yeah. So this is so they, we get the whole gang together. We get the great shot. And this is the first time we get the entire fellowship score at once. We've heard pieces of it here. We've heard like just the brass part and just the winds and just the percussion and and then maybe a couple of them together. And, and then we finally get this beautiful build where everything like on a music level has built to this moment. And now we're all here together. Yeah. This is top three favorite scores of all time, period. 
And again, like looking at this from like a why standpoint, yeah, it's the the nuanced, brilliant storytelling of just like we're gonna weave this in here, we're gonna weave this in here, we're gonna, gonna, gonna now we're now we're all together because this is the only time that we get the fellowship to fucking gather. And then from here on out, we're gonna start breaking it apart because the fellowship kind of breaks apart from here on out. Yep, right. You know, right. And it's, it's certainly operatic. For sure. It is. Yeah. It's a fucking opera, man. It really is, and I just love it. Gorgeous. Yeah. And that it's such a payoff. Whoa. That shot of them all together, the music swells, the adventure continues on disc two. Yeah. <laughs> so for uh, us, this is where our <laughs> our disc break ends. <laughs> it's an intermission. Bum, 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 Get yourself bum, a beverage. The adventure continues on disc <laughs> yeah, two. It's always, well, it's the perfect, it's the perfect like where are we going? You know, Pippin yeah. has that perfect like undercutting of the stakes. Yeah. Like, so what's going on? Yeah. We're here. Where are we going? So where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. And where you're going is to the bathroom, to the uh, fridge, um, to the office, to the office, home. home. Hydrate if you've been playing the movies in the buff drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we figured this is a good, you know, these are long movies, so we're going to have a little intermission break um, to look forward to uh, each time as we as we did uh, in our in the discs. Uh, so here's a little break and we'll see you back for part two. Gentlemen, we do not stop till nightfall. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one. Yes. What about second breakfast? Don't think he knows about second breakfast, Pip. What about elevensies? Luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, supper. He knows about them, doesn't he? I wouldn't count on it. All right. Ready for the story to continue on disc two. That's right. Oh, the Bilbo, Bilbo ghoul moment happens now, not earlier. Because he gives Frodo all of his shit. Yep, he gets the mithril. Right, this is when he's like going on the adventure. He gets his, his necklace for the ring. Mm-hmm. And Frodo has decided to do this. Like, fuck, man. I'm that going. Was a big ass decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like that's the that's the core of this movie is him deciding to take the ring to Mordor. Absolutely. And goes to what you guys were saying, like this this idea of like deciding to to for your journey to accept what you've been given, to accept your you know, to take your life into your own hands, right? It's it's deciding to go to grad school. It's deciding to go to New York. It's deciding to leave take New York. Take the ring York. to Mordor. It's deciding <laughs> to, yeah. Right, right. Which essentially is going to New York. So, <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. Glad I got my Sams with me. Aw. <laughs> Speaking of that, this is something that uh, Scott Ripley brought up in, in grad school quite a bit and something that I, you know, you, you sort of mentioned earlier in the drinking game, but the, you know, drink any time of the homoerotic overtones or whatever. But I, I like I recognize that there's there can be times of that in 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 these movies, but I'm also a, a lot of what Scott said, very fascinated and love the representation of love between two men irrespective of sexuality or gender or any of that just like you know 
Aragorn kissing Boromir, like the two quote unquote manliest characters of the, of the fucking story, you know, totally sharing a kiss like without, and you're just like, there's something so fucking beautiful in that. Like, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, seeing, seeing the, the love that Sam and Frodo have for each other, the love that Mary and Pip have for each other. And, um, and 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 they're not having to be any type of anything else outside of it, you know? Yeah. Surely that must be one of the huge reasons why this movie is so beloved by so many young men and now, you know, adult men that we are, is it is. It, it celebrates platonic male friendship yeah. mm-hmm. and platonic male love mm-hmm. in a very powerful way that sam is fucking willing to die for his friend like i know i can't swim i am going to get to you no matter what yeah like i such a powerful moment fucking gorgeous you know and again you know of course it's gonna happen all the way for the next like eight hours of movie that we have and 14 hours of podcast that we have left. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah. Josh watch. is like, wait, wait, wait what? I, what? <laughs> I did not sign up for this. <laughs> oh yes, I did. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yep. So now we're on the quest. Yes. Yeah. We're at the fellowship is now on the quest. Yeah. The, the, the score coming up over the mountain shot is that's when it's in it's full fledged fledge. Fully fledged. <laughs> There's a lot of fledging happening. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, w- Gandalf like touches a rock and it's just like, and then like they all just come over and they're so fucking determined yep. mm-hmm. walking over this mm-hmm. fucking mountain in a straight line. And like, ah, it, oh, it's so great. Yeah. Every time they crest the, the, the peak, you know, yeah, totally, totally. This whole sequence of getting them to Moria is is a lot of what I what I loved about these movies and continue to love is just like we're outside on a trip and we're going from left to right and we're going and we're playing and we're fighting and we're swords. camping and we're yeah it's <laughs> yeah. just like <laughs> and you go first and we're in a line and we're all good friends and we're eating bacon and you know? it's snowing and it's snowing and Legolas apparently can walk on top of the snow. Yeah. <laughs> of course he can. Elves are just light footed. Yeah. Fuck him. But yeah, I love I love too that like they're just dressed how they're dressed and like when they all of a sudden when the birds see them and they're like we got to go up the mountain like no one puts on a jacket. It's nope. just like no, that we're just dressed how we're dressed. Yeah, you know, yeah. This and this like clothing. some of that is in the lore because like hobbits don't wear shoes, right? Um, you expect them to be able to walk barefoot through mo- through through everything, but then you're like looking at Boromir and he's like in his little like dainty little cape. <laughs> yeah, you're just like man, is it not cold on Karadras? Yeah, you know, like it's got to be fucking freezing up there. Like you're in six feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> Love Saruman just bringing down the lightning on him. Yeah. Yeah, know? that whole thing, that whole, you know, like, Gandalf Saruman shouting match is another, like, question of magic thing. I'm like, so they can, like, yell to each other at each other back and to and fro? Yeah. And, like, His Saruman voice is on the wind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf's like, no, I will yell louder and stop the weather. I don't think Gandalf communicates back to Saruman, does he? 
I think it's more it's like Saruman is on his is on the top of Orthanc, which is the name of that tower. Uh-huh. Um summoning the weather or whatever and he's got the power of that tower plus all the wind and the cloud like he is focusing it on that and he's been probably been doing it for who knows 30 minutes two hours he's been six days yeah, yeah he's like, been going <laughs> at it for a while and gandalf's just trying to like bail out the boat you know he's mm, like trying deflect. with it yeah somehow to save this but like they're fucked mm. if they stay up there that makes sense i thought it was more of like Gandalf yelling back to him and <laughs> I will not fucking leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's more like that's the sound weather. of him casting his spell. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. And then I love the, like Gandalf's like, let the ring bearer decide. There are no good options here. Yep. It's another perfect close up of Ian McKellen. I'm sorry, but like where it's like, we will go through the mines. So be it. And yeah. you just you what you have maybe two or three seconds of just watching his face and what he's thinking about Moria, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, and then shit. the Chris Lee voiceover, like, yeah, you, you know, know what's yeah. on. <laughs> you know, fear to go into those mines. The dwarves were dug too greedy and too deep. Yeah, and, and they did. <laughs> they went too. They got too greedy. They did. Mm-hmm. They opened a a opened. opened. They opened a fire demon. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. The next thing that I want to talk about is when they actually enter. Uh, right after Melloc. Uh, yep. right, right when they enter the speak friend and enter. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. They. He is already said the quote that we talked about, right? The, the, uh, so do all that live to see such times. Not yet. That, that's, oh, in that's the middle at of when the they're in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, when, when that's when he's in the three choosing. Doors. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. We're there. Um, no, I just, I, the, it, this is one of the moments where I really like, I respond to Sean Bean in a visceral way where he's like, it's not a, it's like, it's not a fucking mine. It's a, Tomb. Such a great moment. Like, holy shit, look at all of these this carnage. Dead folks. Yeah. Wh- what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. God. Meanwhile, they're like getting fucking destroyed by an octopus demon. Yeah. Another um, CGI creature to me that holds up. Totally really man. held up. I was one I think because again, it's dark outside, it's wet. And you don't you're it's like you're not seeing it super clearly except for maybe a few frames the wet thing is so clear is so true to both in jurassic park and here yeah um and what you said too about the light is also relevant here in that like it's strong angular light you have a strong light source coming in one direction yeah so it's only have it like the, the they aren't having to work with shadow in a multifaceted way there's not like they're not in like a a hall, right, with a lot of different light sources. It's a singular moon coming at one angle, um, and it's just, yeah, it's it the, the and being able to then reflect it off the water makes it a little bit even obscures it a little even more. Yeah. Um. And oh yeah, it's it's true, man. That that CGI holds up. Mm-hmm. I love that fight too. You see, you see the fellowship 
that might be the first time that they're really in action in terms of like having to defend themselves mm-hmm. from something, right? Where like Boromir's out there cutting tentacles off, catching hobbits, <laughs> calling for for you know covering fire from Legolas. Yeah. You know, it's just so badass. Yeah. It doesn't matter how m- many times I've seen it, where he's like Legolas, yeah. and Legolas is like <laughs> right, I got you, dog. Yeah. Every time you're just like. Because he's the guy with the bow and arrow, and he can <laughs> he can shoot from far away. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's at the end the of this podcast run that we're about to do, we need to decide what is the best Legolas snipe. Just putting that out there, <laughs> we just need to decide by okay. the time we're done this okay. weekend. Deal. Okay, <laughs> he he has two already. That what that one that he makes on the octopus creature, and then later on with Mister with Mister Trolley. Yep. Well, in. And then later on, and after then that. even still in the mine, when he's like on the stairs doing a fadeaway, yeah, yeah, and it's a POV <laughs> arrow like shot through the fucking yeah. skull. Yep. <laughs> I also like leading up to this this um, octopus demon tentacle lake monster, lake monster, Loch Ness monster <laughs> guy. That Gandalf just is like, Yo, Frodo, you got that ring. All the monsters are gonna flock to you. FYI. All right. Let's keep going, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're, and, and that was actually something I caught this time through. Where I was like, oh, that's why the big trolls and monsters always like seem to find Frodo and like throw him around and shake him up and down and shit. What did what does Gandalf say? Gandalf says something like, because you have the dark thing, dark things are going to be drawn to you. Oh, also, wow. beware of people in your own party. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess I'd never heard the first part. I'd always just assumed that it was just about him warning about Boromir. Um, yeah, he says evil will be drawn to you. Yeah, yeah. right. Makes total sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I was like, oh, cool. I love Gandalf's line as they are trekking through. You know, they they arrive at the three the three doors, the three hallways, and just the. I have no memory of this place. Yep. Yeah. The simplicity of like, we're stopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're done for now. <laughs> yep. The end. Goodbye. And we're done. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to stare at it. Because uh, I don't fucking know where we're going now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everyone else is like, cool. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll be back there. Yeah. Gandalf's like, I'm going to pack a bowl and try to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. And what was crazy to me watching this for the first time. I remember having the thought even as an eighth grade because I read The Hobbit in with while also reading the trilogy before this came out. Um, is like Gandalf is the the whole the whole uh, tribe of dwarves that accompany Bilbo on his mission. We are like they are all up in Moria, like they are in it to win it. They are there for a long time. They're like fighting goblins. Um. And so to have Gandalf go, I have no memory of this place. And you're like, okay, really? Like, it feels like you spent a long time there, but I guess it was like 50 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That is one thing that bugs me. And this is a perfect time to bring it up about this is the movie does. They mentioned goblins once uh, in the, this like antechamber that they come into and Legolas pulls the arrow out and goes, goblins um and then they continue to call them orcs through I noticed that the rest of the movie and that's uh patently untrue 
uh, goblins inhabit this area. They are not orcs. Orcs, as they explain in the movie, are are <laughs> corrupted elves. Yeah. Goblins are the same thing with dwarves, from my understanding, oh. which would make sense as to why they inhabit the Misty Mountains and and around in and around Moria. I think this is just a concession for consistency's sake with the lay viewer that's just like, we don't... Evil guys, they crawl around, they shoot. They scream they and are all the they're same. ugly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yep. They're all the same. But yep. it makes it even more confusing to then have Legolas go, goblins, and then they're like, orcs, later. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is confusing. Mm-hmm. And I've spent way too much time on the internet looking that up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally. Uh, when Gandalf is meditating in front of those three doors, trying to figure it out, and Frodo sort of clocks Gollum behind them. Mm. I, I've recently I've just been having this moment where where Frodo's like, "There's something back there." And Gandalf's like, "Yeah, it's Gollum. He's been following us for three days." I just want Frodo to be like, "Were you gonna tell someone?" Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Same. He's been following us for three days, bro. Feels pertinent that the guy that you know betrayed my name and the fact that I lived in the Shire is following us. Yeah. Like yeah, my uncle like, stole from that dude who's after me. I've like, been thinking about a bunch of shit. I forgot to tell someone, but yeah, he's been on a trail for a while now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you ever have you ever watched Rick and Morty? Uh, no. Oh, okay, I just started watching Rick and Morty as like a quarantine watch, and I'm like. Gandalf has some some Rick moments. Uh, I've never seen that. Yeah, I, know. I know, but the people who are listening might see might have totally, seen it. Yeah. But like, <laughs> he's like smarter than everyone else, and he has these moments where he's just like he ha- these exact moments where he's like, "Hey, we're in this place, Mor- Morty. We're 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 in this place," and Morty's like, "Oh, great. Uh, why is that guy? Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that they hunt everyone that looks like you. But we're in this place. It's really cool. So enjoy it." <laughs> And it's like, that's how Gandalf is here. He's like, yeah, we're in the mines. We're going to go to Mordor. Oh, yeah, that guy's been following you. Yeah, he wants to eat you. But we're fine. (laughs) In the the same vein, when he's like, let the ring bearer decide. Like, maybe you could give him some information. Right. Like, maybe help him make an educated decision. Just so you know, going through Moria, there's a giant demon fire fire monster. Um, (laughs) This way? (laughs) We we know that Gimli's cousin's dead. Like, we, we have a pretty strong feeling that haven't heard from him in a while. We feel like he's probably dead. Also, I am <laughs> like 70% sure how to get in. <laughs> <laughs> I know where the door is ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because he gets there and then I'm like, like, oh, fuck. And then he like, he tries to just like push it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you don't fucking know your code. Let, let me tap my wand on it. And yeah. then I also was like, yo, Gimli. Or my staff. This is your. Yeah. Um, actually, it's a staff, Brad, not a wand. Um, Gimli's like, oh, my cousin lives there. It's my favorite place to go and hang out. And then Gimli's like, I have never seen this place in my life. Yeah, yeah like, right, right. Gimli, you got to know how to get in here. Why? How come Gimli doesn't know how to get in? Also, dwarves using elf magic to lock their door. That was another thing. Like, what's up with that? I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> Thought they hated elves. Or yeah, did the elves together, do it perhaps. to just like prank the <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I also <laughs> I also I don't know. I I have always thought of elvish kind of like English in that like it seems like everybody at least has some Right, context. that's the magic language that you use when you're locking your magic 
exactly door, door you, gates. you can't you can't magically lock a door in dwarvish you have to use elvish right actually that's probably you have to get a accurate. permit yeah. it, like there's a lot of a lot of red tape you got Le- level gotta, 3 elvish yeah got got to fill out the application <laughs> You realize that this this exact thing is why these podcasts are going to be like <laughs> six hours. <laughs> Whatever, I've been fun. I like it. Uh, yeah. All right. So then Gandalf talks about the 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 times and that whole thing. Many that live deserve death. Some that die deserve life. Mm-hmm. Well, what's so funny about that? It's true. I know. I just, it's true. Yeah. Can you give it to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it's epic. This is like, this is one thing that like all of the great wizards in literature do. Are like the these truly like um uh, uh what what's the word I'm looking for? Like wise. Uh oh God, what's the part of speech like? sayings idioms uh uh dumbledore does it in harry potter all the time gandalf does it merlin it's, yeah yeah it's just like oh wow like these are these are the the like crux of of tolkien's argument like this is how how he weaves this this story within the fantasy world that makes it relevant and like those lines drop and you're like hmm all right yeah, it's pity. Now I'm to, thinking about my life. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. When he said something like, you know, um, why didn't he kill him? You know, why didn't he have pity and kill him? Well, he had pity and let him live. Yeah. You're just like, oh, that's woof. Yeah. Um, yeah, this scene is really great here because there's just, yeah, this, this big nugget of shit that's so fucking pertinent, like exactly in this, you know time period and i just i love that yeah and as soon as like after he drops that big ball and everybody's sitting there thinking for 30 seconds and he goes oh it's this way <laughs> yeah yeah and then doesn't one of them yeah. call him out and he's like you just fucking magically remember and he's like nah it just smells less shitty over here yeah <laughs> so good yeah so good i love the you know they 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 i don't remember the name that they call it but they get to like the main hallway porticos like yeah. the long thing of Moria, like the the main yeah. chamber, um, and I just it's, it's actually a city within the mines. I yeah, what it's called, but it's but like yeah. the 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 capital. Yeah. Like it's yeah, like yeah. the citadel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just the the majesty of it, like it watching it, and and of course they're all in shadow. There's like it just made it made me as viewer go. God, I wish I could. I wish I want to see this in its full life. Yeah, like, could right? you imagine how? awesome this would be in every context of that word to to like walk into all of the fires and the music and like you know the just like th- that and then to also see it empty and you're just like whoa you know it was just a really powerful shot in the way i just i love 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 that so totally. cool yeah the way it's done there and then gimli has this heart on his sleeve grief his cousin is gone. Like it's confirmed, you know? Yeah. Um, incredible that, that room, that tomb or whatever, where the, whatever mirror system they have set up to cast to bring that the light shaft in. of yeah. light onto his, uh, coffin or whatever, tomb or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like such a, 
uh, strong image to then have Gimli kind of weep in. You have all these skull, you know, like skeletons. They've been dead for a while, but there was clearly a battle here. And you just, there's nothing better, again, than watching Ian McKellen dust off a tome, like blow the dust off. Move a hand. (laughs) And start to read Dwarvish, like, that passage, man. And I love the detail in that book, on that book, that there's, like, a giant axe mark through the book. Yeah, And you're just like, you know someone's like, fuck! Yeah. Holds it up. Hella good prop. Hella good prop. And the the last line, like, is dragged across, you know, like, clearly this guy's like, man, talk about a guy who's fucking going down with the ship, (laughs) doing his duty. He's He's like, like, maybe somebody's going to read this I'm the fucking secretary or whatever. I record shit, and I do it literally (laughs) until someone puts an axe through my head. Like, I'm going to keep writing. Well, again, these stakes of, like, someone has to know what happened to us because I know that I am the last one of my race, period. Like, there's no... Everyone else is gone. I have to. It's my... I have to. The stakes are huge. Yeah. And unfortunately, Pippin is a curious little cat. (laughs) Great. Just, like, that's those sounds like echoing throughout and like, you know, you're watching everyone in the fellowship just like And the reaction shot of Pippin just going kidding me. Every little yeah, like dink is like, it's like oh, shit. Oh, God, God, fuck. oh no. And then there's like a pause that it's over and then there's like one last clink. Like, fuck. It's such a good build too because it for it's like, oh, okay, the head fell down. It's like okay, a skull's gonna make oh no no the whole body. Oh no, the body has a chain with a friggin' uh, like iron encrusted <laughs> Bucket. And this well is going down to the bottom. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And it's, uh, you know. Gandalf snatches his hat yeah, away. Yeah, it's like we have this moment of like. <sighs> yeah, you see Aragorn and Boromir. Everyone does yeah. the sigh of relief. Cool of a took. Yeah. I'm also wondering, though, like. Sp- what does he say? Spare me your. Next time, throw yourself down there and spare me. And that- rid us of your stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, harsh words, yeah. but true. Like, harsh, dude, but true. What is he? Throw yourself like, in next time and rid us of, of your stupidity. stupidity. Yeah, what that what? was designed to hurt feelings, and it worked. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it pierced. That, that was incisive in the, in the debrief of like after everyone like wins, like after Return of the King, like Pippin's like, listen, Gandalf, I just, I know that I really made a mistake there, but remember, we were back in the mines, like. That got it really, really hurt my feelings. Like that was really personal. That that should, really personal. That, yeah, that I should throw myself. Like, <laughs> I just wanted to play with a cool goblin arrow that I saw embedded <laughs> in this guy, and like I made a mistake. You know, <laughs> you told me to commit suicide like that. <laughs> that really stuck with me. It's kind of aggro. I've had to do a lot of work to like get past <laughs> that, and I understand you were angry. <laughs> Heat of the moment and everything, but next time, <laughs> I'm not stupid. Sometimes I do stupid things, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> but the, just the drum sound effect, yeah. that first drum, and you, the shot is on Pippin when we first hear the drum. It's like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. We were warned about this. Yeah. I love the detail, too, of like, they cut back to those three doors 
and you see that they're coming up from the middle door, you yeah. know, that like that's where they're down and making their little camp or whatever. Mm-hmm. So cool. I yeah, I this this whole uh from this moment forward is really really interesting cuz Shore scores it really heavily until they bust through the door and then it completely pulls all of the music out of it. Yeah. And then it's just the sound effects of the sword slashing, the drum stop obviously, the sword slashing, the bows flying, the screams, the armor clash. Um and it's really really cool. I I I this is of all of the movies and all of the battles, I think this one might be my favorite. Oh wow. It's um, a great one. It, the the tension in it is and the inescapable nature where they're just like, we have to fight our way out of here. There is literally no way out. And yeah. everyone else who was here before has died, has died and been eaten and they're gone. This yeah. is it. Cause like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the next podcast with, with Helms deep and whatnot. Like it's a huge fortress, even though they're backed up against the wall, there's like, they can retreat to different layers and, you know, minister it the same way. Um, and, but yeah, this one, just the compact nature and it's just a little more like brutal and just like the way that they're just like fucking shoving each other and all of the short sword work and it's yeah, a smaller so scale. Yeah. And it, it's the first full on, well, besides the octopus, I guess, but it's like, it's like the first extended totally. And it's just the fellowship. Yeah. It's the fellowship. That, that, that also makes it, you know, where it's, yeah, it's just those, those nine, um, super, super epic. And this is to me, one of Legolas's best snipes. Same. Right up to arrows, right up through the mouth of the cave troll. Oh, that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. To kill the cave troll Mm -hmm. where he waits for it to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where he waits for it to go full mummy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that breath noise that they get out of that cave troll where you, it's clear that he's like shot his arrow through the throat yeah. so that air is escaping backwards yeah. as he tries to draw breath. Well, and it's also he's, he screams and then gets shot and there's a muffled to this, like the sound changes again. Right. And then it continues to change as he starts to breathe in. Like, yeah, this is again, that like great sound mixing that these little details that you're like, I'm in and the troll fucking holds up. I had no issues with the CGI on that troll. Fucking awesome. Which is crazy. That's 20 years ago almost now. Like that's insane. That's yeah. That's crazy. Totally. And that's like, you know, we get to see a lot of that troll. Like, yes, it's not as dark as a lot of the other thing. Like hundred percent. And everyone darting in and out and this and that, like, um, I, I like the earlier on. Yeah. Legolas has like a two arrowed thing. Yes. I like that one too. Um, classic Legolas. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in man. He got moves. He got the moves. And then I have a question. So like Frodo gets quote unquote stabbed and that like rallies the troops, but then he plays dead. He's just like, ah, and then he's like dead. And then everyone comes over and he's like, he, they, they just roll him over. He's like, hey, guys, I'm fine. Like, ow, it hurt, but like, I'm good. I've always taken it to be like, he got the wind knocked out of him. But he like, he's not moving around, like trying to, he's like. Yeah, he's face he's down, face down, he's flat. I mean, people also pass out for a couple 
three seconds when they suffer ma- major trauma. Like, I don't know. Yeah, perhaps he but was But like his ribs aren't broken. Yeah, maybe he but maybe he was concussed because he got thrown against the wall too. Like I don't know. Sure. It's also fucking Mithril, so <laughs> back the fuck off. I just wrote down <laughs> fooled you again. There are a lot of like Frodo's like he's dead. Just kidding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He does almost die a lot. Tis true. Comes with the territory. Yep. But no, overall, like, again, yeah, this whole, that whole sequence is fucking awesome. And everyone, it's gritty and everyone's just like throwing swords and axes and. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good shit. Yeah, the, dag- the dagger up. throw across is great. Yes, yeah. And then, then they escape to the Great Hall thing again. And there's 5,000 orcs. It doesn't, or goblins. It doesn't even, they're like, oh, we're. There's, we're screwed. That's what bothers me the most about this is that they de- they're an t- entirely different design too. The goblins are, yeah. But they call them orcs, so they are goblins down there. Like they don't Legolas doesn't just say goblins and then orcs are there. But no, no okay, it's goblins. The goblins are actually. I I think the way they try to force the narrative is like goblins, like kind of just or orcs just kind of like took over after the war that the dwarves and the goblins had. Like they just kind of like infiltrated the dead space um but the way that they design and move are entirely different to the way that the orcs move yeah i've um, never made that distinction before but it, yeah they sort of like crawl on the walls and yeah they're, they're like flowing out of the ceiling and yeah mm-hmm. they're much more yeah arachnid like mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah and and then you get this the, the great oh shit moment is like there you know again it goes back to star wars there's always a bigger fish and you're yeah. like when they all scatter you're like oh fuck it's so good. And then the shot of all shots, man, is again like what we were saying, don't show the whole beast or whatever. It's and it's like the reason that they're in giant ass like archways is so that they can get that red coming from the side yeah. uh coming toward them. And it's like this is the first bit of like real color we've seen in like an hour. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> yep. You know, because before this they were outside and it was like you got the blue of the door, but outside of that it was like all white snow. Rivendell. Like, yeah. That was so the last like, time. And then you get like deep blood red in the dark coming through with the shadow work. I'm like, can someone just give me a, a still of that? I want to put it on my fucking wall. Yeah. Like it yeah. is fucking awesome. Totally. And it gives you like, oh, fuck. And I love, I love Gandalf's, again, thought work, eyes, all of it. The realization of what it is. And we get the ball rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is where he tells tells them what it is, and then he turns and looks down the hallway and just goes, "Run!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This foe is beyond any is of beyond you. any of you. Run, run. run. Yep. <laughs> and he tells Aragorn at some point in this thing, like swords will do no sword, good here. Yeah, like, yeah and that great moment. Away, I love the exchange because, like, the, this watcher, I was sort of clocking the order that they move in. Oh, interesting. And like uh, there had to have been someone, it's like Gandalf's up front with Legolas, who's sort of like scout, you know? Yeah. Then there's Gimli, who's like, okay, a front, a front, like the, the muscle up front. Mm -hmm. Then you have Frodo, like the precious cargo. Then you have, I want to say, Sam's right behind. Yeah. Yeah. Frodo and Sam. Then it, I think it's Boromir. Then it's, 
Merry and Pippin, and then Aragorn is the rear guard. Yeah. He's like watching they, everyone's back. Right. They're working mm. like a pack of wolves. Yes. Yeah. And and then when they're running from the Balrog, Gandalf's like, switch, switch with me. Essentially to yeah. Aragorn. Go, He's go, like, switch lead with me. them. You're the in front now. Yeah. And Aragorn's like, what the fuck are you talking? I'm the rear. I'm not gonna abandon the rear. And Gandalf, like, it's such a strong moment where he's like, do as I say. He has this, like, com- yeah. moment of command. And he's Aragorn like, reacts like, this what is the, the fuck only is wrong way with you? Surviving, yeah, surviving he's right now. like, listen to me. You can do nothing here. Swords are going to do fuck all. Yeah. Run. I just love that do yeah. as I say. Because yeah. like, you, you, you haven't seen that yeah. from him. It's almost like, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Right. It's like... Do not take me for a conjurer. Yeah, it's like, listen to me. When it's just, yeah, this interesting, like, dynamic of, you know, general, colonel, lieutenant, like, in the military kind of thing, right? Where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so Gandalf and Aragorn are sort of like the leaders of this thing. They feel different, like, leaders of the fellowship. So, like, to see them, to see one go like, no, I am like right. fucking mm-hmm. i am our mm-hmm. only hope right yeah, now right and also not to be like, arrogant about it but you're in command now it's like you take the wheel i have to go oh, deal yeah. with this right so it's like a promotion and and a command in the same yeah, it's moment. a shift of the it's yeah yeah it's a shift of the duties here yes like, magic beast magic powers yeah, yeah. awesome <laughs> you take care of them. Yeah. I've got to deal with some shit here. And this whole thing is still fucking exciting. Like 100%. the jump across it. the gap and then like the thing hits and they're like teetering and lean forward, mm-hmm. which I don't really think would have done much on that giant weight <laughs> of the thing. But it's fine because it's exciting. And, uh, you know, like the gap is already like scary and then a gap gets bigger and you're just like, fuck. And then the thing like this and this whole thing started like, 45 minutes ago when they were fighting goblins in the fucking death room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just have to say the dwarves obviously did not take their OSHA certification classes. No, they did not. Very there true. are no handrails. Nope. nope. The steps are different sizes. <laughs> they not secured. Hey, it's not a safe work environment. They did <laughs> not get to the point of fulfilling that those requirements because they dug too deep, found a fiery <laughs> death monster. Found that fire demon. And then died. <laughs> they, they, they actually filed for an extension because they found the ball rock. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're we like, had to deal with this first. The, the, yeah, the union went on strike because they're like, we're not working near a Balrog, man. Fuck this. We want a pay rise. You come back in eight months and we can do our evaluation then. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Send water. Send lots of water. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's fucking exciting, man. And. I love the POV arrow shot uh, that Legolas gets. I think that's yeah. one of my favorites. Incredible um, snipe. Back through there. Yeah, because right. we like follow the arrow. I think that's the only time we actually, at least in this movie, we actually follow the arrow. Yeah, 100%. And it's cool to see that shit like, oh, fuck, that guy's on fire. Yeah, man, he's, he's good at, at arrows. Um, and then again, we mentioned this earlier, but like the lighting on Gandalf's face throughout this whole thing sells everything. 100%, yep. yeah. It's just, just so, re- it's just like, yeah, he's fucking in front of a fire demon. Servant of the secret fire. Incredible, iconic moment in cinema. Yeah. Give it to us, Josh. You shall not pass! And, and you're like, oh, we're good. He cracked that bridge in half. He's good to go. Mm-hmm. It's such a great reversal. Mm-hmm. 
I remember in the theater, you're just you're. It's just like such a surprise when that whip comes up, and you're like, <gasps> "No!" Yeah, because it's such last minute. Like the demon's falling, and he j- you can see the ripple, and you're like, "Oh no!" And this is another moment that the fly. Uh, yeah, fly you fools, fly. Is that a line from the book? Fly you fools. I think so. It's gotta be like that. Can't be a, like made is. up for the screenplay. So Gandalf releases the grip on purpose, yeah, because he knows that he still has a chance to fight and kill it. That we'll see, like at the opening of of episode two of book two or because he's like if i he wants me i'll go down with the ship to let them go i think it i think it is him sacrificing himself so they don't make a a, a mistake so they don't try to save him try to go run to him and then mm -hmm. at least that's how i've always interpreted it yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. right because it's like gandalf can probably do a pull-up right yeah he's not yeah, but he is he it's far like he's far down. He's exhausted. The the uh, goblins are cha- are about to be right behind them. It's like, yeah. Right. Any wasted time here trying to change my situation is going to get us all killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a moment where the slow-mo for me is is was is was and still like still is very effective. Yep. Yep. Um definitely. That's definitely the scream Frodo scream. Gut wrenching. No. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, and uh, Vigo's face, just yeah. unable to comprehend what's just happened. Mm-hmm. Like that can't have just happened. Right. And then they all exit, and it's like devoid of color. The white rocks, gray white yeah. rocks. Yeah, yeah. Never has there has sunlight felt less comforting. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. so stark. Yeah, yeah. And the shot of. I think it's Mary holding Pippin and he's just sobbing and Mary's there just like, I'm, I know I'm me too, but like, I, I know, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to stay strong for you. And Sam's just on his own, like, and then, you know, fucking Aragorn's like, all right, like we gotta, we gotta go. Mm-hmm. And Boromir this is like the first time I really kind of noticed like I, I fucking love the character of Boromir because he represents everything that's good and bad in men. Like yeah. he's the one that's like, give him a fucking second. Like, yeah. I am hurting. I'm feeling this shit because I'm human and yeah. I fucking feel this. Like, give him a fucking second. And Aragorn's like, we got to fucking go, man. He's like, you're right. So it's like Boromir's just just but this I guy. These hills will be swarming with orcs. Yeah, and he's and and he's the one that goblins. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> they're goblins. They're goblins, Aragorn. Aragorn. And and you know Boromir's the one that succumbs to you know the hearts of men are weak. You know, is he's so he's like this truly the most human character in. In the whole series for me. Totally. And it, so three-dimensional. Like yeah. He's the guy, he tries to take the ring from Frodo. He betrays the fellowship from, from a place of he wants to protect the people who, whose lives he's been entrusted with protecting. You yeah, know, but he genuinely wants to use the ring's power for good. Yes. For, to and he's, quash So evil. he's capable of that weakness, and then he's also capable of, of sacrificing himself for... Mary and Pippin, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and for whatever reason, this time through, that really, I really picked up on it. That that because I always was just like, ah, fucking Boromir, god damn it, like Aragorn's the guy. I'm like, no, Boromir's fucking human. Yeah, and like flaws and all. Um, love that, love that, and and the shot of Frodo, you know, when you know, or or, Aragorn's just like, you know, Frodo, where you going? (laughs) It's that way. (laughs) Um. And Frodo just turns, and I I just love the 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 work here by Elijah Wood because he's just he's just shell shocked. He's like, I mean, it looks like he's in a fucking Vietnam right now. Yeah. You know? And he's made his decision too. Yeah. And that's when that that's the moment where Aragorn knows. Really, that Frodo's gonna leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the. I think I think that is what Aragorn recognizes in Frodo. It's not when he goes to Galadriel. Frodo doesn't make his decision when he goes to Galadriel. Yeah, because then he, he just straight up offers it to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, take it. That's He's true. Like, just take this shit. I right. think Frodo's just like it. aimlessly wandering. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to. I. Everything. Like, he, he's dead. He's. And this is the first, like, real death that we see. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this can exist in this world. This isn't one of these things that is like. Everyone makes it out okay. Everything's fine. Like, no, fucking people die. Yeah. Yeah. And if you hadn't read the books, you think Gandalf's dead. This guy. Yeah. I remember leaving that theater being like... Gandalf's just dead? He's dead. Oh, my God. Like, pivot. And then, like, when I saw Two Towers being like, he's still alive! You know, like, he's falling! And that, you know, yeah. we'll get there next podcast, but, like, that opening thing, you're just like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> right, right, right. It's cool. Um, so then we get to Galadriel. Yeah. yeah. So La like, Florian. what, 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 what's going on with Galadriel? I just am confused by her and cause she's an elf, but she has powers. She's more powerful than Elrond, but, and like all knowing, but somehow also not all, no, all powerful. And no, like she does have magic, but like she can't use it or doesn't. But she's, I'm just confused by her. Well, I, my understanding is she's probably the most powerful elf in Middle Earth. I think she and Elrond and whoever else have quote unquote the gift of foresight, where yeah, they can sort of tell the future, they can talk to you through your head, they can heal the wraith blade thing you know they can see gandalf from afar but yeah so she's got magic powers and she has a ring of power like one of those one of the three yes does elrond have one i don't think so i don't don't think think he does does. right so galadriel maybe is more powerful than elrond because then how come she's not like in the fight like is she good or bad well you know she's good but she's like the elves are leaving. I can do what I can. I can give you these gifts, but I can't do it for you. I can, I can tell you what might happen, what's going to happen if you fail, what's going to happen if you succeed. And when, when he offers her the ring of power, she has that like huge Ooh, magic yeah. confrontation. That's a possible future is she takes the ring of power and becomes Everyone will worship the me. Lady Sauron, essentially. But she declines it. Passes the test. She passes yeah. the test. That and was we'll my question. Go and move to the next phase of whatever elves do when they sail west. 
she because she, the, the her I don't know my my entire read on it is her whole existence is fighting against this power that she has is to res, is to exercise restraint and what she's capable of doing, um, and when presented with the ring of power, to have that in front of her and to go I don't I'm not going to take it, um, allows her to exercise that that demon and, and then just fuck off. Yeah. But like she she passed her plane of existence. What else does she want? Like she's she has achieved self-actualization. She knows entirely who she is and how she exists in the world. And it's like she her stake in Middle Earth is ending. She's and, moving on. And she knows if she gets involved, the only way is for her to go to the dark side. That is how her power manifests. Mm, mm-hmm. So she can give people cool daggers and the magic. Yeah, she has a Wizard of Oz moment. With and yeah, but it's like, and, and she can be a guide, but she can't be the, the one to. So then what the, the fuck good is her ring of power if she can't use her ring of power to like fight people or like use her power at all? I, I, I don't know. I always there. I'm sure the text will will probably disagree with me, but like I always took that her accepting that was the moment of weakness and her moral her her not mortal sin, but like her sin, right? Accepting her ring of power yeah. was that, and then recognizing the trap that she was under. Whereas if I if I allow this and my power channeled through this magic artifact to to manifest. I will only cause destruction in the world. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I've never thought about it that way, but it's like, yeah, the rings of power are this corrupt network. People took them, the elves, the dwarves, people, they took these rings of power from Sauron, not knowing that he had this massive controlling force that was going to corrupt all of them. Mm. But now that they do know that that exists, it's like, what can you do? Like she can't just stick around and and in the status quo, it's like the elves gotta gotta peace out. Yeah, the, the the status quo is changing. Yeah, and her her the way she's helping is keeping her ring of power at bay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, she and says not it causing more destruction. She's a ring bearer. Mm-hmm. To be a ring bearer, to bear a ring of power is, is to be burden. alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. she says it's mm-hmm. like that's her struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, super helpful. Thank you, boys. Yeah, and we're not done with Galadriel either. True. She she'll, you know. Yeah, I always was. It just, she always was just a little bit of an enigma to me about. Totally. They they it's it really like it doesn't read well in the moment for me. Like mm. it, it takes a lot of like. Okay, so what? You have to really be being paying attention at like in the beginning and recognize that it's her telling that story and that she's seen the fall of humanity or like the fall of the elves originally and like the the rise of the age of man and you know track that whole story and her resistance against it um and then like kind of make this assumption as to why she's isolated herself in these woods right right um she also in this moment i feel i felt this line stuck out to me so much she says even the smallest person can change the course of the future Mm. and that again is to me is like one of the core themes of the books the movies this this film in particular because in fellowship again it's like here's this guy who's just 
reading his book in the forest, having a birthday party for his uncle, and now he's fighting cave trolls, saving the world. Right. You know? No powers, like, no magic, nothing like Yeah. It's like this, even if and half small, a size of a, a, person, of a like a man, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You you can make a diff. Mm-hmm. And here's a cool uh, bottle, magic, yeah. magic yeah. light mm-hmm. bottle. And Samwise is looking a gift horse in the mouth over here with yeah. getting his yeah. magic rope and yeah. going. I want a dagger instead. I know it's so funny too because he's like, um, can, do you think you have any extra daggers? And then she just goes hmm, and moves on. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> she makes the Amelia Clark cute. face yeah. from, from Games of Thrones. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, okay. What? Meanwhile, Legolas gets like the dopest bow. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's an elf. You know, I know. Hey, bro. <laughs> I got you. Here's an here's an upgrade. It feels like it just like feels. <laughs> this movie just struck me as like a video game at times too, or like you reach the like story moments and Bilbo's like, here are all of your upgrades for the right. next chapter here, that you'll need. Here's your next mail. Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. then like you reach Galadriel and you're like, and here are your new weapons. Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, can I just say I would also I would I would have loved to be on set the day that they did the like hand paint on the face. Because you know it's just people like going, <laughs> and like cut, cut, and the guy's like, "All right, cool, I'm go grab a coffee." And it's like, all, like yeah, like full these guys in orc eye makeup, just like yeah, so just, chill and just have like a drink through like, a straw. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be fun as hell. And because you know, there's like, there's no drums, there's no music, there's no shaky cam, there's not a lot of like extra. Like they it's just, just a guy slapping you in the face, and you have to go. <laughs> And you know that even that is going to be ADR'd. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's yep. like the same thing with like you know the the wizard duel, like just like you know, fucking screaming into the wind yep. or whatever. Yeah, fucking money. Yes. Um, you know, Christopher Lee's just on a green platform going. Hand is finished. Cut. Uh, okay, great. Uh, <laughs> What is it? Is it Hajdawoshtish Kalila or Kalilali Malila? What is it again? It's actually Khonlaj La Fish Naj. Okay, right. Can I get that on a cue card? <laughs> um I love them leaving on the boats. Yep. I always have loved that. And the the Heli River shot. The the flashback and forth to the gifts when they're on the boat or just after that? No, when they're literally leaving on the boats. Um after, after, yes, after the flashback. Because I don't like the way they handled that. I was like, this is dragging too much. Just like, I don't need to see like the after reaction of like, everyone's like, I'm now, I now have my Wizard of Oz gift and I'm traveling with it. And now I'm going to remember how I got it. And then we flash back to see her give it to them. And then we flash to the next person. It's like, let's just, just go down the line. Tell me what it is. Or show me in the moment of them traveling on the boat. I think what I like is the way that the bolt, the boats pull out in unison. Totally. Just the boat, the boat choreo. Boat choreo. <laughs> and then Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodes. Mm-hmm. Fatal flaw. Yep. Fatal flaw. Aragorn finds him. Aragorn's like, man, I would have followed you into oh. the very fires of Mordor. Well, That's Aragorn w- also turns it down. That's in the, the thought work there when he's presented with it mm. and like running through the scenario of what happens if he takes it and then denying any like there's never any real impulse 
for him to like snatch it, but you see him going through what happens if he does. Yeah, he almost sort of like has his hand over and just sort of feels the magnetic power. He's like, I can feel this. And we Um, hear it. We hear it go, so just like that sound design giving us again the sense that the ring has a will of its own and it's reaching and it out to, to him, people, mm-hmm. to you specifically. Yeah. Here's what your life could look like if you, if you choose this path. You know? Yeah. I don't know if I'd have the fortitude to turn it down. I, I mean, don't know if I would either, man. Oof. Yeah. And he, but he does. He and again, that just kind gesture of folding the hand over and being mm-hmm. like, and yeah, that man. I would have followed you to the end without without Frodo saying like, "Yo, I'm piecing out," you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he has to fight two hundred Urukai by himself. Let's that fucking, fucking scene where he turns around though and it's just like badass, so dope. Sword right in front of the yep. face. He's like, mm-hmm. "I ain't scared." Here, here we go, motherfuckers. Yep, I got yep. the high ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> This is one of my favorite fight scenes is this one. I mean, it's just like epic. it's the fight choreo, the fucking brutal nature and like they're all in and like, man, Boromir's a fucking like badass in this scene. You're yes. just like, let's go. Just when he charges throttled. in and saves them. And then the horn him like <laughs> this is one of the things in the fantasy genre that I it was comical for me because. <laughs> Like Legolas goes, you know, you hear that and he goes, the horn of Gondor. And I'm like, okay, by this point, it's everything is the this of that. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) right, right. The microphone of Bolton. Yeah. The, 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 (laughs) it's true. The The pencil of Tobin. The falls of Rauros. The The woods of Lothlorien. The mines of Moria. That is funny. Um, But then the music cuts out when Boromir gets shot. Yeah. Yep. Um, which again, great thing with the thickest arrows in existence. Yo, those Dear arrows Lord. are no fucking joke. No, it's like a roll of pennies. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, so like just girthy. Hefty. Yeah, so hefty. It's also great cinema magic. It's just like the classic effect of like you see the arrow fire, and then we cut to a shot of him going like this, you know, jerking his body, and we hear the impact. Mm. But, like, the sh- Sean Bean has an arrow sticking out of him, and they just have the camera on him, and they just jerk the camera, and he jerks his body, and it looks like you see the impact, but mm-hmm. you never see the impact. No. It's just, it's totally great cinematic editing, great, yep. it's awesome. magic, you yeah, know? Awesome. And, like, you could swear you fucking see those ear- arrows, and you feel them. Yeah. You the feel their impact. Awesome. Well, yeah, because he, he, he gets shot once turns around sees Mary and Pippin and fucking I think best moment of the movie for Sean Bean thought work again makes the decision to get back up and keep going he like he sees them and you can see him go I can I can allow this to take me down or I can just fucking go this is it for me yep so like how are you gonna go Make the most of the time you got. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And man, this time through again, like with the sound, you mentioned it off mic about watching it on Blu-ray and having different sound than what you were used to. The sound remastering is same here with the different sound setup that you have than what I watched last time. It, it really did make me feel like, could you imagine those arrows in your body? Like 
scraping against bone, like you feel it in your organ, like having that penetrate your rib cage and torso, like you got shit sticking in, like puncture, like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's gruesome. Yeah. Like really going there was like, oh my God, like yeah. feeling it wiggle and st- like, oh my God, awful. Yeah. Awful, yes, and he's still like because right. he's you know to to swing these giant swords you mentioned earlier like this is a full body affair yeah you know, right, these right swords right. are fucking heavy and you're using all your abs your legs your hit like everything to to just god god and he takes four arrows and but then Aragorn comes in in this battle with the like head Urukai or whoever it is. Oh my God. Well, Pip and Mary name. first go in and they're like, oh, we got to avenge him and then do fuck all. And then they just get picked up. They just get picked up. And then Boromir's like, the fuck? I just took four arrows for you. And now you're going to now I'm going to die in vain because I actually wasn't able to do anything. Well, they were going to get captured yeah. either way. I, mean, I know. Like, I just felt bad. Like you see, I saw Boromir's face just like, Ugh. but they were trying to avenge his death. I know, but they should have gone like, oh, Boromir's trying to save us. We got to fucking go right now because I can't take on 400 Orakai. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and then he's about to get just executed. Yeah. Just murked from mm-hmm. point blank range. And, <laughs> and Aragorn comes in with the clutch yeah. dive. This is one of my favorite fights because of how sloppy and weird it is. Yeah, totally. Like there's punching, there's getting your head trapped by a shield. I love that tactic that he has a shield. That he throws <laughs> that yes. like spear people in uh-huh. his yeah. fucking head. Yeah. My favorite point though is when the guy he's been stabbed in the thigh, he rips it out, he licks it, he throws it, and then Aragorn has the most awkward like just like baseball like he, bats it away. Yeah, yeah. Just slaps it out of the air, and the sound effect is so good. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's Ugh. just like to what we've been saying for a while, but just this like fight choreo and the grittiness that he brings that's like that comes with swinging a wheel a real thing of steel like this guy's fucking tired i fought a 40 fucking guy like i am fucking exhausted so like the most i can do is just like swing a bat at this thing i hope it goes away and then like fucking let's like oh my god it's and then the makeup design he kills what's his face goes over to boromir and like you mentioned earlier the nails the dirt and blood under all of his nails yeah. is gruesome. And like his hair is like sweat is dripping off of his hair. Yes. Yeah. You know, and like that detail to me rang out. I've never seen that before. We're like, you know, he's sweat, you know, he's like dirty or whatever, but to see drops of water coming off of his hair, right. I'm like, I know, right. that, I know that feeling. I have long hair. Like you have to be working hard for drops to be coming out of the bottom of your hair. Yeah, right. And not just like and going down usually your Usually like cinema exhausted, you still look beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know, your hair, not a hair is misplaced. That scene, Boromir's death scene, you look at Aragorn, you're like, dude, he looks fucking beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really that guy does. looks tired. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the reason why that scene, I feel like, lands so well. Like, Viggo Mortensen plays it so just truthfully it just feels so truthful mm-hmm. not a false note in there and he's not overplaying it he's not pushing it for any emotion he's just like there in that moment and it's really strong i agree man that scene really rang true for me this 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 watch through um because there's just 
again, we I mentioned it earlier about like the the love between men or whatever, but like on a, on another level, there there's like there's an understanding like we are our own like we are our race, like you are my other. I we understand each other on a race level, on a a species level, not even race, a species, you know, um, and uh, and there was something so deep about that understanding between the two men of like, I know what you're trying, I know what I'm, a, I know, I know, and you did well, you know. Sean Bean is so he died on screen so many goddamn times. He's I so know. good at death scenes, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. So good at death scenes. Yeah, it's good, man. Frodo steals a boat. Frodo steals a boat. He's like, I'm going solo. With a bunch of supplies. And you're like, great, he took supplies. Took all of the supplies. Took all the supplies. (laughs) And then Sam chases after him. Sam gets rescued. Then Legolas is like, quick, they made it the other shore. And then you see their boat, and all of the supplies are still in that boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, bro. You're like... You don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> like, you want to leave some of that lead best bread? <laughs> One bite can fill a, a whole man? Come on. <laughs> One so small funny. bite can fill the stomach of a grown man. How many did you have? Four. <laughs> How is that not, like, kill him? <laughs> yeah. I know. He had a massive shit later. He must have had the biggest dump. I've literally, the stool of Pippin. I, I thought about Pippin's dump. So I was like, man, Pippin must take some fucking... Titanic shit. Epic. <laughs> like, Pippin's got to go far away from the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with all the ale, too. It, when he poops it, like, it becomes a mountain that he, it, it lifts him up in the air. <laughs> like Star you know? like uh, South Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just on top of the, the mound. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, this movie ends beautifully. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the, you know, it's like we get this split where Frodo and Sam, okay, they're going, but we get like, we will not let's hunt some orc. Yeah. Like, we yeah, just let's hunt love some that orc. moment. We are all Gimli in that moment going, yes! <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I love the way that the the hand thing is shot underneath when Frodo reaches hand in for Sam like because mm-hmm. Frodo grabs his forearm and then there's a a beat yeah and then there's a just a grip and that's all we see and I just that one shot what thought was really what the timing of that was really well planned out totally um yeah but you're right and that yeah we go our separate ways and you're like right the they're like the fellowship of the ring is disbanded like that we they got like a third of the way there, kind of. And, yeah. um, well, good luck. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that, you know, the use of the Shire theme to end this here because you now link back to the beginning and it's on a penny whistle with the love between Sam and Frodo. Yeah. And, like, you know, you are like the soul of the Shire is those two. Yeah. It's the love, it's the brotherhood, it's that, like, that's what it is. Um, and I don't remember the last line of this movie, but it's something like, like, you know, we're never going to see home again. We, we, we just may, we just may. And, um, and then the Shire theme transitions from a penny whistle to a chorus over the credits.
that because then it adds the like human element. Um, and I'll be, I'm going to be very curious to track like what theme is used over the next couple of credits. You know, I know the Lord of the Ring, I know the ring theme is used at the beginning of both. Uh, but I'm going to be really curious to track that in the next in the next coming episodes and movies. Um, then we get that really bad like Enya song or whatever. Airy and I'm a fan. Play it on repeat. <laughs> Not you. We'll have Google do it later. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's a song, the, the, is it Into the West or whatever that Pippin sings? And is it the next one or the one? Uh, or Return, Return of the, of the King. King? Yeah. Fucking golden, man. That song's yep. amazing. All right. Made it through? It. It's only seven hours. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a fucking four hour movie. <laughs> oh, that's not. Hard, um, yeah. So, Judy Dench Award, Mr. Tobin? Ian McKellen. It's Ian McKellen. Great. Samesies. Okay. I think, I think over the course of the three movies, this is is his strongest. Yeah, and he's no. also the most featured. True. Yeah, I I mean I I agree. I'm, I mean I've been going like crazy on Howard Shore uh, on this movie, but he'll get one of them for me. Um, you know, no, you guys give me Callan. I'm gonna give it to Howard Shore for this movie. It's the intro movie and the way he gets us into this universe and establishes the establishes total. everything. Um, because the score from here on out is going to be basically the same. Yeah, uh, and right, right, right. Howard Shore wins the Oscar for this one, um, I believe. For this one or for Return of the King? I think he wins it for this one. Gotcha. So, first part of the two-part question, when do you watch this? Second part, can you watch this one outside of the other ones? Because we'll, we'll, ask, we'll ask that the rest of the time. Second part, second part of the question first, yes, you can absolutely watch this one alone. Like just alone, period. 100%. Have done it many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, holds up as an independent movie. Yep, I agree with Two that. Two Towers less so, uh, but this one for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but for I mean, for me, the, the the scenario in which we watch it today is when when we watch it. This is this is a great hangout movie. This is a great plan a movie marathon movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you know, you and I have talked about this before. We've mentioned it off off air as well. Like this these aren't necessarily three independent movies this is not die hard one two and three this is one movie it's just 11 hours long and happens to be split up into three parts in the way that it is right so yep yep i agree with that but i think with this this one particularly they do a good uh, uh, uh you know solid enough job ending the story and feeling satisfied knowing that there's still a lot to come but we've resolved the action for the time being. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. Yes, you can watch this. Uh, it stands uh, by itself very strongly. Um, I think you watch this. Absolutely. You're hanging out with friends. Perhaps you're um, at the end of a journey together or you're about to begin a journey together or someone in the group is about to begin a journey. This is a great movie to watch. Yeah. Um, and a small Sidebar, you also watch this movie when you're forcing your partner who's never seen it to watch it. 100%. <laughs> yep. Yep. This, yeah. is, this is requisite watching for anybody that hasn't seen it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so like... A lot of times as- you're watching it because you're forcing someone else to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
to be fair, for all those partners out there who are the other side of this, pay attention, stay awake, because if this is one of the movies that your partner's like, oh my God, I love this movie. You've never seen it. We have to watch it together. This is one of the tester movies. Yes, it is. It probably is. You know, like all of us have tester movies or songs or plays or whatever where you're like, I'm more watching my partner than I'm watching the movie. (laughs) Is it healthy? We don't know. Absolutely not. But it is a human condition, and I'm trying to do the best I can with the time I'm given. And right now I have three and a half hours, and we're going to watch fucking Fellowship. That's right. Um, So just a note to all those... (laughs) Prospective, respective partners, give your three and a half hour time for this one, and you won't be disappointed. I mean, it, it really is good. Uh, I would say that, uh, agree with the second part, I also will watch this like, you know, again, quarantine has been difficult on all of us and being a single person and in, you know, 500 square feet or whatever. Like, this is a good, like, you know what? I'm feeling in a rut, and I don't know what day it is. I just don't like you know what I'm I have a three-day weekend I have a two-day weekend I'm gonna just start this journey and take this own journey and like I'm gonna I'm gonna have this and hope hope this like brings the feels and just makes kind of like awakens the fire a little bit you're right Um, you're right that's something that that recently has made me has made me like this or or want to watch in this way uh, thank you all for bearing with us with this and and uh, and this podcast and we can't wait for the next two we're very excited Next week, we have Two Towers next Monday. Uh, and then the week after that, we will conclude with Return of the King. Again, we will have uh, our 100th episode uh, coming out the last week of September, the 28th, uh, with a bunch of guests. And we're going to have a lot of fun just hanging out, chilling, catching up with old, old friends. And, um, and we're, I'm, uh, we're, we're very excited. I yeah, can't wait. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. Um, big achievement. So again, can't, can't thank you all enough for listening and supporting. Uh, and then again, first week of, uh, of October, we'll be back for season four. Hell yes. Mr. Tobin, thank you for, uh, being here. Of course, as always. My pleasure. Friend of the thank pod. you guys so much for having me. I had a blast. Can't wait till, uh, next week, AKA six com- hours, from six now. hours from now when we now. watch uh, <laughs> the next one <laughs> for all of you, just so you all know, we, uh, we are all watching these. We're, we're holed up in an apartment and we're, we're having a movie marathon weekend. We're going to watch, we are watching all three together live. First time that's yep. ever happened. Yep. Thanks for listening guys. Okay. <laughs> uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at movies in the buff, Twitter at buff movies. You can email us at watching movies in the buff at gmail.com. You can find, oh, I just said find us on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> but, Way to go. But you know what? If you're curious, you still can find us there. <laughs> we're still, still available. Still there. Please. Still there from 30 seconds ago. Yep, in case you were wondering. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Mr. Tobin, how can people find you? JoshTobin.com. And also check out the uh, Characters Welcome YouTube page. Great. Characters Welcome is a, a, a comedy show. You can, uh, this month, our friend of the podcast, John O'Connor, who has done several of our Christmas episodes and, and uh, filled in for Brett a couple of times, uh, he has a podcast called Spectacular Show. Be- both Brett and I are featured in separate episodes this month. So please. Talking please, about video games. Talking about video games. Um, uh, indie video games, which is exciting. So please show some love to a friend of the pod over there, Spectacular Show. Um, and I was recently on John O'Connor's partner's podcast, Samantha Jane Tilton, 
uh, and that's at Big Face Podcast. So you can find us there as well. All right, you got us, uh, Mr. Tobin. Again, for those who don't know, has created our slogan, our now infamous slogan. Take it to the baby town. <laughs> I'd rather share one lifetime with you than face all of the ages alone in baby town. Do not take me for a conjurer of cheap tricks. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to take you to baby town. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I'm a barkeep. If you have a pint. And this is my son. He's also a barkeep. <laughs> yeah. If I had a ring and you had and a I Mount had to travel Doom. all the way across Middle Earth <laughs> and put it in Mount Doom. <laughs> I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned my hobbit. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.